takes to drive me crazy I've got everything I need to lose my mind And in here the atmosphere is just right for heartache And thanks to you I'm always here till closing time And I got swinging doors, a jukebox, and a bar stool. My new home has a flashing neon sign. Stop by and see me anytime you want to. Cause I'm always here at home till closing time. Welcome to the Best Picture cast. I'm your host, Kieran B. I completed my goal of watching every Oscar Best Picture winner ever and decided to start a podcast to review each one, each episode myself, and revolving co-hosts will discuss, assess, and evaluate a different Best Picture winner with the goal to establish a ranking for the entire list. This is not a who-should-have-won podcast. We're here to discuss the inner circle of movies who took home the crown in their respective years. As a disclaimer, this is an opinion-based podcast and a subjective discussion by movie enthusiasts who don't claim to be trained experts if we destroy your favorite movie or praise a movie you think is trash, like Crash. We encourage you to write us in at our email, which is bestpicturepodcast at yahoo.com. That is bestpicturepodcast at yahoo.com. Find us on any of our socials, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Letterboxd. It's all going to be at Best Picture Cast, just how you found us on the podcast feed, at Best Picture Cast. And we're back yet again to return to the past, to head back in time to our very first year, our first season at Best Picture Cast. And we'll be turning the clocks back to January 22nd, 2020, a much simpler time. And with me is a man who debuted, uh, not just on this podcast, but on all podcasts, as far as I know. And he is Grant Z. Grant, crash into me, my friend. How are you? <laughs> doing doing good. If I knew I was going to be doing this episode twice, I wouldn't have suggested it in the first place. <laughs> Um, and yes, this, this was my very first, uh, podcasting experience and it was quite, quite a doozy. Yeah, it it was. And for this episode, we're going to revisit that episode, which was episode four of best picture cast. You can Mm -hmm. scroll down to the bottom of our feed and find that one. And, you know, just for fun and for kicks and for self torture, we watched the movie again. (laughs) Um, suffered through it again. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, you know, I don't want to make it sound like I'm showing my hand on how how I felt. I give it a true and honest rewatch. I have not watched it since that podcast. Same. Okay. Yeah. So it's a, a fresh look, and we'll uh, we'll talk about how we reacted to it this time around. And uh, about halfway through, we will be having a guest with us, Grant. Can't wait. Yeah, and he's a someone you've heard here before. In fact, you may have heard him last week at uh, last week's Out of Africa episode. And he's Adam St. John, so I'm looking forward to getting him in the mix here because he is a staunch defender of this movie. He is. He was on our 
our first 45 rankings episode with the first three seasons. I think he was the highest on it by a pretty, oh, was, by yes. a pretty wide margin. So it's exciting to get his take on it and see was going to press 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 us about. Yeah, and you know, I don't feel like I'm tipping hands at all by saying that because like you said, Grant, he was on our ranking episode and he ranked it 20th of the 45 movies, which is wow. quite a statement there. So That is a statement. He revisited the movie too, so we'll see if he's feels the same way he's always felt about it or if he has some new thoughts too so that should be fun okay great uh, but you know grant and before we get there me and you were gonna just kind of chat a little bit just like we did back uh back in january 2020 as i said was a much simpler time back then it was it was uh just like two months before everything just went to shit yep and yeah. before this podcast had debuted so this was the last episode that we recorded before the debut Oh, that's right, yes. Okay, so yeah, debuted February 1st. The the dual debut, oh, Departed, right and Cuckoo's Nest. Yes, this is, a, this is about eight days before, nine days, whatever it was, a little more than a week before. But uh, this is the first episode we recorded when I knew what the editing process was. <laughs> so the yes. first three uh, were kind of just the red lights on and whatever happens, right, happens. And right. I hope that it's something I can use. Now I know what the process is. I probably already had at least one of those two episodes completely finished. So I knew like what the finished product I wanted was going to be. Right. I think I even remember telling you like if you need to just stop what you're saying, correct yourself, resettle, pause, whatever you got to do, all that can be fixed in editing. So Definitely. it's not that big a deal. Where in the first week, I think I was a little more on edge with the other guys. <laughs> like, come on, let's go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, I, yeah I, I remember for for you for me to get like ready for it. You sent me the raw footage of your departed episode with Artie. Oh lord, and. It was, uh, I quickly thought I was getting into something way over my head. <laughs> um, luckily that wasn't the case. It was, it was, a, it was a great experience and, but it was, uh, it was, <laughs> it was, it was startling to, yeah. to, hear, well, to hear the think, raw, to hear the raw footage of that. I think the raw footage of that one is now like locked up in area 51 right now. You can't, uh, yeah, it's, like, it's, quite ne- access it's that. next to the Ark of the Covenant. Like it's in that huge warehouse. <laughs> It's and like if you an, listen to it, you'll melt. Like yeah. The, uh, like. <laughs> yeah, your face melts, you see ghosts. <laughs> yes, well, uh, we do have access to the footage of the raw crash episode, though, Grant, to, to, for a little teaser. We might hear a, uh, a little deleted scene from that movie. Oh. Uh, from that podcast, I should say. Yes. Wow. Yes, so I'll uh, just tease that a little bit here. Uh, I wanted to shout out a couple uh, a couple things too about this just from the very beginning is is, is that the, we're still uh, we're still using the old intro on this one where with the old podcast name where it was the best picture podcast yes the original name before we kind of tweaked it into best picture cast by the next episode which would have been uh, shakespeare i think we, we were had best it, picture cast we had it honed okay. in at best picture cast yeah you can also see the old artwork on the uh, on the spotify feed i think it's still up and, and it I think is the, yeah uh, if you look at the departed episode it's the original Original, original. Yeah, with, where it says Best podcast. Picture Podcast. Yeah, yeah. You can still see that up there. So in the intro is just a little different. We're still still revolving co-hosts. And at the end, you can hear the paper flutters. I'm still reading it off the <laughs> off yeah. the paper of the chicken scratch off the paper, like squinting to read my own handwriting. That was that, that was when you you would always get super, super nervous be, like while before reading the intro. Before basically before hitting play, yeah, I would always before hitting like, record. You, you guys were, would have to look at me like kind of like like wig out. You wig were out a yeah, you, you were like play. you went like full Kramer. You were just like <laughs> <laughs> like freaking out. And I I don't know if this is. I think Rebecca was the one where I forgot the little piece of paper. Yes, and had to transcribe the 
you you listened you listened to an episode and you and, and rode, rode along. Down. That wasn't yeah. this one. I think that was Rebecca, right? I, 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 I think believe I remember so. Joey was there for that one. Too. Yeah, 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 yeah. So good, good times with that. So, crash, uh, Grant. I guess we'll start first with what you're drinking here today, my friends. Is it any different than what it was back then? Slightly okay. different. So, in the crash episode, the first one, I was drinking uh, Harpoon, the Duncan Porter. I don't know if it, was, it wasn't the pumpkin porter. It was just the Duncan Porter. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we're recording this in June. It is not porter season, even though I had one last week during out of Africa. That's neither <laughs> here nor there. Uh, don't judge me. And, um, but I was drinking Harpoon uh, Rec League, which is a hoppy, hazy IPA. Uh, it's very good. And it's a low EBV. It's a, it's a four percenter. So it's uh no, it's very, it's very good. Very nice. Yeah. And so for me back then, I was drinking the Long Ireland Raspberry Wheat. Now, for the first three return episodes, I was able to fully recreate the beer I was drinking, even though one of those beers was discontinued. I, I still swerved my way through. It was uh, a struggle here to uh, complete the task here on this mm. one, Grant. Um, you know, it's funny. I, I, I texted you and Joey the other day after I rewatched Crash, and I got in the car and put on satellite radio, and Swinging Doors comes on. It's amazing. By Waylon Jennings. Yeah. The, the, the song that we used for the intro for that episode, mm-hmm. which is wild. So, and you heard it on the intro for this one. This version was a duet with Willie Nelson. But it, I think like the next night, I'm getting dinner before work. And there's a, it's a Huntington regular sitting next to me. And he's talking. And I mentioned Long Ireland. And he goes, oh, the raspberry weed is a great one. <laughs> I think they have that down by the. They used to have that down by the deli. I'm like, oh, jeez, really? I'm like, so I go down to the. They didn't have it. Yeah, yeah. But it was just funny that he brought up that. That's amazing. That same one because we were just talking Long Island breweries and whatnot. It's fate. Uh, it is. It uh, not not sharp fate though, Grant, because I could not find the uh, raspberry wheat sandwich. Yeah, you know. So you win some, you lose. Some. <clears throat> I couldn't get any Long Island at all, to be honest with you. Except on my way over, I kind of took a different way for whatever reason. Okay. And I passed an open distributor. Okay. And just happened to pop in. And I said, you got any Long Island? And they said, well, you know, we have the Celtic Ale or the Celtic Ale, however you want to pronounce that. And this is their kind of like their go-to. That's their standard. Yeah, their standard yeah. one that never kind of changes. It's like their their go-to. So it's the uh, Long Ireland Brewing Company, the Celtic Ale. It's a traditional Irish ale. I don't know that I like it. You know, I haven't sipped it yet, but in the past, <laughs> I have not liked it. You know, I'm I'm fully Irish, and I don't necessarily share the same uh, taste buds with my my ancestors. But. Yeah, it's it's okay. Yes, let's see here. All right, you know, it'll do. It'll do. All right, I mean, I have extras in the in the in the fridge upstairs if you need to. Uh, I'm sure I'll I'll be fine. But okay. Grant, I do have a little uh, a little little present for you, buddy. Oh boy! Since we're celebrating Grant's debut episode of Best Picture Cast. Hold on one second here. I'm very nervous. While I was searching around for the raspberry wheat, I did find the Harpoon Duncan Midnight Porter. No shit. Yeah, along a, a other variety pack with other ones such Ooh. as the uh, Duncan Maple Cream. That's good. The Blueberry Maca IPA. The Blueberry Matcha is awesome um i think i you know left the pumpkins home because you wouldn't know that you'd love those but uh, i i am a pumpkin fan there's uh but you can, you can right, keep so those. these That's uh fine. well now you'll have these for future episodes there then. you know what I'm, you gonna, go. I'm gonna crack this open right now there we go i love it and i love I'm it i'm gonna watch the dust come off <laughs> all right not bad a little bit a little better than uh than mine there so cheers Grant. cheers throwing it back to january 2020 
No, I'm just kidding. Oh, it's good. This is so good. Okay. Yeah. All right. So there you go. Some little double fisting. Good. Very nice. Okay. Grant, you mentioned you had not watched Crash since this time around. Affirmative. Okay. So it's been as long as it's been for me. Yes. I've not watched a second of it. This was a, f- a fresh watch and all that. How was it listening to yourself and your first, uh, your first podcast episode? I thought it was pretty good, actually. I think it was a pretty... I think the flow of the conversation was really smooth. Uh, there's just some things I'm thinking about with me forcing jokes and things like that. I'm like, all right, you didn't need to do that. <laughs> like the Kid Rock thing, I'm like, all right, what were you thinking with the Kid Rock thing? Uh, but like, other than that, I, I, I thought we had a really good conversation about a movie that could uh, really be a, a difficult topic for us to talk about. Yeah, and there certainly were some avenues of that conversation that got a bit <laughs> got a bit difficult. Yeah, but I mean, you got to address them though. Yeah, yeah, of course. And I got to say, I had a blast listening to this one. Like it was, it was real. It was real fun to to kind of relive. I I just had a big smile on my face. This is I thought we had a really funny rapport going. Yeah. You know, with with the pilot episode, we had no idea what the hell we were doing. Two old friends, me and Artie, just kind of just press and play and just hoping for the best, throwing right. against all over the best. Yeah. The second one with Joey was a real cool conversation with very kind of intellectual and interpretive and, you know, we're, we're, we're digging into some kind of dense materials and, and whatnot. Sure. And the one with Chris was kind of just like, a, just me and Chris just talking about a movie like we all do. But I, I thought this one, Grant, we had like a real, um, a real uh, a fun comedic rapport. You know, I think <laughs> yes. we, we we both kind of knew what we wanted to do with the tone of this, and you yeah. know, whether with the puns and the, uh, I I, as, I got a kick out of it. You as know? soon as you told me that we were going to do Chuck Norris stuff, I'm like, okay, I <laughs> I know what to expect. <laughs> it now. was what, it was one of those where like you and I knew exactly what we wanted to do. As like five minutes into this thing, we just felt it, and it was like it was totally okay if me and you were the only people who were going to laugh at it. Like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the rest of the world can roll their eyes. We were gonna have fun, and and honestly, I think the legacy of this movie kind of lends itself to that, mm. where The Departed is one of Artie's favorite movies, Cuckoo's Nest is one of Joey's, Rain Man's one of Chris's. So this is the first one where we're just like, listen, we're both not hot on this movie, but we got to talk about it. So let's yeah. let's have like because that that was kind of my approach going in when you when you talked to me about joining you're like okay well um just think about a movie you want to do i'm like well how about this one he's like okay well here's a list of things you can't talk here's the things a list of movies you can't do and i was like you know what like let's just do one of the bad ones like let's just let's just rip one of them off like a band-aid so 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 we did crash you know that i didn't even think about that it is the first kind of one we did where we didn't we weren't totally into it, yeah. You know, and so yeah. that, that is that is funny to think about that. Leave it to the worst picture cast guy to do do that shit. That's right. Yeah. That's right. And there was a, <laughs> there was some. If you, if you look real close, little little seeds of worst picture cast to come here in this one. Little, hey, little listen, we, we eventually did talk about uh, Star Wars. Like a that's full, right. Like yeah. a full Star Wars episode. Yep. So. Yep. The first the first Star Wars combo in there. You mentioned Hallmark movies. So uh, hell yeah, baby. <laughs> you showed the you showed the early signs. Listen, that, I am who I am. I'm Star Wars and Hallmark Christmas movies. And you said with the episode three, you're like sometimes I just like to watch a a bad movie and just have oh, some yeah. fun making fun of it. So there Fuck you go. Yeah, yeah. That has not changed. Now, Crash the movie, putting mm. it on this time. Uh, talk to me about your experience here in 2023 with Crash. It's kind of exactly. It's it's like you look at a painting, right? And then a couple of years go by and you look at it again and you get the same exact interpretation of it 
and there's nothing new that you notice. And everything that you thought about the painting the first time around, you think of you th- you think the same way. That's kind of exactly my experience with it. Hmm. Okay. I I really did even now that I look at movies differently just by doing this podcast, you kind of learn how to do move. You can learn how to analyze movies a little bit better and things like that. I I don't look at this movie any better or any worse (laughs) than than when I first saw it for the podcast. I'm pretty good with, with clearing my slate with the movie and a reevaluation and just pressing play and just kind of watching it. Like I hadn't seen it before. And I did that this time around. I had the night slated. This was one of those weeks, and I hate when this happens, but this is one of those weeks where there was only one night where I could have watched it. Yeah. So it's kind of like, all right, this is what you're doing tonight. I hate when that happens because I like to kind of... It feels like homework. Yeah. I like to pick the the moment, pick the day, and and let it... So basically, I got to the night. I'm like, I I just, I don't want to watch Crash tonight. I'm not, I'm not doing it. So I didn't do it. I I got it. I watched... Continued watching. I've been rewatching Breaking Bad, so this like I, I, I want to hang out with Walter White tonight. <laughs> sure. I can't do this. So it was. It ended up being a, a an afternoon watch. It was like a you know a a one pmer. Interesting. And I was in a way better mood to watch it. I had the day off, so I was okay. able to so I just cut our headspace. Yeah, popped it on, and you know it was. I found it, and we've said this before this movie because this isn't you know we didn't just talk about it on that episode of Best Picture Cast. We also have the rankings episodes. This is a movie we've discussed a few times here. It isn't a tough watch, you know. It no, is, it's not. It's it's paced super appropriately, and it is an entertaining enough movie, despite you know some some heavy material. And you know, I I think I'm going to be a little kinder to it this time around. I, I oh, I'm not okay. going to I'm not saying it's moving anywhere in my rankings, but I, I do think we were pretty. We were pretty hard on it on the episode. I don't think we were unfair. I think we were very I fair. I think I think we were pretty accurate with our analysis of yeah, it. Yeah, we were very fair. But I, I do think that we were, we definitely leaned into the, the harshness a but, little bit. You know, you know I, in, in defense of uh, the past versions of us, a lot of people have this movie ranked very low. And right off the bat, you and I were like, it's not that bad. Like it's it shouldn't be like considered one of the worst, and this is coming from me who who didn't see Broadway Melody yet or Around the World in Eighty Days or anything like that. So like, but you just kind of know that there are worse Best Picture winners out there. We weren't nice to it, but I don't think we were excessively mean to it like like people often are. It, and it's funny, it's, I didn't even realize this because I, I had Joey send me the rankings for the for what we did at the forty five. Oh, okay. And this tends to happen where, you know, Grant, you're more critical than me, but then I rank it lower. <laughs> but it's, uh, Grant, you have it at 39 of the 45. I had it at 41 of the 45. Okay. Adam came in at 20 of the 45, and our composite ranking was right on par with you at 39. Interesting. So it okay. sounds like I might have been on the lower end of it compared to the group. Yeah. 41 is certainly Chris, low. Chris Chris is a little bit high on it, Chris too. is the highest of the of the five the, of us, the, yeah. yeah. He probably evened out my my 41 a little bit. But, you know, I, I, I was able to see some things this time around, and I was able to be a little more forgiving in some areas. And we're going to go into our hits and misses here next. And uh, I, I certainly have a fair share of misses in this one, including one big fat one. That I'm sure we'll get to uh, right away. No pun there's, intended there on, our, on this there's year's a, Oscar. There, there, is, there is a whale of a miss. 
<laughs> coming up. Oh my lord! So I, I think we'll uh, let's let's just get to it. This is what we call the battleship hits and misses. Hmm. So we get to kind of uh, pick some hits and misses. We can pick on ourselves. We can pick on each other. Talk about what, what what we thought. And you know, a miss could be something that we said that we feel we don't feel that way at all anymore, or something we said that you know we think needs to be evaluated, or finals is something we didn't say at all. Like say, oh, we, yeah. we forgot to point this out. Or in a hit is something you, you may announce. Would you like me to, to go first? Do you want to do the biggie first? Or let's we just tease this. So there's no reason to let it hang out. Let's, let's just go do for the it. And this is a, a this is a, a Kieran B miss. I'm sure, right? I I have the audio. Okay, okay. If you want, I because I, I, I sent it to Joey and Greg today. <laughs> let's do it. She 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 did like two days of work. Brendan Fraser did three days. This is like you know, this is like off like off the Mummy movies. And he is a dreadful actor. I mean, <laughs> it, 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 I, I like the Mummy movies. <laughs> I mean, I, he's in a movie where you scratch your head at a lot of these guys. I think he might be the worst. We'll go. We'll do MVP, LVP later. But he's just, you know, get your ballots out. He's going to be on the list. He's, you know, he's barely in it, though. He's not in it, he's not in it enough to make me. But when he opens his mouth, I go, oh. <laughs> I every no, time. I have no problem with Brandon Fraser. All right. Okay, good. I have no problem with he's, he's got He's got someone in his corner here. Oh, boy. Okay. Um, yeah, but what a, what a history I've had here with Brendan Fraser in this podcast. <laughs> the Brendan Fraser fan club coming after me. Oh, boy. Okay, so, yeah, it's retraction time. I, I don't know what got into me there with that. I don't know what, what bug crawled up my ass there with B, B. Frage. <laughs> I watched it this time around, and I, I didn't see any of that. I really didn't. I, I thought he did a fine job <laughs> in this thing. I thought he did good. You know, maybe I'm... Maybe I'm kind of watching with revisionist histories and now that he's kind of recently reestablished himself but I don't know maybe back then I just didn't think he was a serious actor and I just was picking on him but that's it that is a certified miss there uh, he's he is a um a well-deserved Oscar winner now as we sit here yeah. in 2023 good yeah, yeah I, 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 I no I, no please I, I I I don't think no I don't think his performance was bad I do think a lot. I mean, this is because we we talked about this too. Where like the acting in this movie is pretty solid. It's not. There's really no bad performances. Uh, I I think a lot of it just has to do with the material that they're presenting. That I don't think like the dialogue and a lot of that. When he's yelling, when he's yelling at the uh, his aide about the fireman named named Saddam or or whatever. Yeah. Uh, it just a lot of that just doesn't feel natural. And I don't know if that's necessarily Brendan Fraser's fault. I think it's just. You know, not great, not great writing. Far from a dreadful actor. Yeah, it was. Uh, you I, you were you went scorched earth on him. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I did. And uh, I'll, I'll backpedal here today. And listen, I I picked him in the Oscar special to to win. Yeah, as as my winner. You know, I, that that was who I thought was the best performance out of those five, and what was super super strong here in best in the best acting category. But yeah, that's tough. And you know, I watch it again, and I'm not. I'm just. I'm not in that headspace with him. I. I don't know what. What uh, annoyed me so much about him. I don't know. But I mean, uh, now we- I'll slide into a hit, though. I feel every much as strongly about Sandra Bullock and her character in this. Oh, movie. I mean, she, yeah, she's yeah, it's bad, brutal. Yeah. Now, and that's some real brutal material too. So yeah, but we 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 kind of thought that this was stunt casting more or less, right? Like. This kind of helped bring in an A-lister, like the totally the, uh, the big. She's the biggest actor in this movie, 
And, and you absolutely, I don't know if you were doing that on research or not, but she absolutely was there for one day. Yeah. Uh, that's confirmed. And the, the shot of her on the stairs after she fell is not her. The one or her coiled. And yeah, the, uh... that's a body double. They wanted, after they, <laughs> they viewed the first, the first uh, run of it, they looked at it and they're like, ah, I need, there needs to be a little something extra there to emphasize. So they the, just had to stand in. They had to stand and do that. Yeah. Cause oh she was only God. there for the one day. But you know they uh, they said that she owned her material, hopped right in, and was you know super professional oh, I mean, about that's, it. But yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not sure how much she got. I'm sure she got a fat paycheck for it. it yeah, that, I mean, uh, for one tough, for tough. one day of work, you know, it's kind of like Brad Pitt in Twelve Years a Slave, where it's like it feels really out of place. But without Sandra Bullock, would this movie have been made? And that's you know, you kind of have to look yeah, so peek that, behind the curtain a little bit. I'm gonna slide that into a. Another miss, and this is, you know, this isn't a, a harsh miss, because we were just kind of pondering on our part, when we said the, the $6 million budget, you know, I think I said, well, I, I would imagine most of that would have been on the cast. I think we both and, did. Yes. And, in fact, not the case. Almost every member of the cast agreed to do this for almost nothing. Wow. Yeah, that's how they, they were able like, to keep the like budget the, the down. They got the minimum. Yes. Yeah, they all, it was, they basically, they got Cheadle. Okay. And I think Cheadle might even be a producer of some of sorts on yeah. it. Yeah. And then Cheadle basically convinced a bunch of his friends to do it. Wow. Uh, Haggis had worked with Dan Tony Danzo and who's the boss. Uh, there's some different people here or there that they just kind of got yeah. everyone in. Well, f- they're not going to blow the budget on Tony Danza. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, what what do you want? Like a Dave and Buster's gift card? <laughs> Sorry, Tony. Oh uh, boy, yeah. So, so we we did miss a little on that one. So, I think a lot of the budget just went toward location filming, like the, the car chase scenes, a lot, a lot of well, that. Well, that r- I mean, renting renting the cars, things like that. Yeah, and they used a lot of their own cars and whatnot. I mean, well, you said true, yeah, you said that Paul Haggis. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the other the other uh, executive producer too. It, it just it, a total. They pieced together together everything they could. That's why there's a lot of close up shots, like you know, in the, in the yard with all the cop cars. They'll it's just they it's show tight. one or two because yeah. it's really that's all they had the yeah. two cop cars they had to keep filming over, and I, over. I, I like I like that um, kind of gorilla yes kind of filming yeah I, I do appreciate that people that can stretch a budget yeah and I think yeah. we even said in it like I don't think they were expecting this to be a best picture deal but no, it just kind of snowballed I don't think so. from there but um, what did you have on, on hits and misses here Grant uh, I, I do have a hit um, I said on the podcast that I think this movie would be way more interesting if this movie was just centered around Don Cheadle's character. Mm. And kind of like a neo-noir kind of movie where he has to make, he's in this moral conundrum where he knows that the white cop is innocent, you know, for shooting, for shooting the, the other black cop. But because of racial politics he has to throw the white cop under the bus and if he doesn't do it then his brother's gonna go to jail for life you know then you throw in like his personal life with his mom and all that stuff i feel like that on its own would have been interesting and a more compelling movie yeah i i agree and i think in this time period there was just this this love affair with the trope of intertwining stories, you know, like you mentioned love. Would you, the, I think you call the this love a, actually of racism. That's right. Yeah. I had that written down as that. That, that <laughs> made me laugh. That was great. But you know, I think it all started. I, mean, I think I mentioned Pulp Fiction a couple times. I think it started with Pulp Fiction, and it moved into that. And there's things that do Dead or Dead, and then all, all these sorts of movies where there's just this intertwining ensemble cast. Yeah. And it, it, this was one where I think they should have dialed back a bit, and. You could still tell a few stories, but don't force it because that's when you run into the Sandra Bullock issues. Yeah, um, some of the 
store owner stuff, which I'm sure we'll get into. Well, with yeah, him. I mean, this is this is what we talked about with this city is way too big to be this uh, self-contained. Yeah, it's too big of a city for yeah, Shani- these characters for, are getting, like, getting like, car accidents for, with for each like, other. I mean, for like for Shaniqua Johnson to get into a car accident right next to Ludacris, who just freed the the traffic, you know, the human, you know, the trafficked humans. And it's just like, <laughs> and that's, and that's yeah, only, that's and, only and, one and, example out of dozens. Right. I mean, there's it just, there's, there's a sense. massive amount of cars on the road in LA. Like, yeah, <laughs> this is most traffic in, in I, any city in the country. It's crazy. Yeah. So that, that, that stuff just kind of didn't, didn't fully work there. So I'm, I'm with you on that one. Now in mentioning Ludacris, we had a discussion about how you know we it, it, the the end to the ludicrous arc with yeah. the human trafficking was a bit much yeah and now yeah that was that was that was a miss by me like saying the say the ludicrous yeah you know, he kind of redeems himself at the end by not selling people into slavery uh, <laughs> I mean this is a guy who get who got beat up in like a in like a polo shirt with he, the gun in his hand he just like, he just. <laughs> Yeah, he just not got a ass, tough guy. He got like. ass kicked by Terrence Howard, who's like a, a TV producer, a TV uh, director. Yeah, so that that was that was a, that was a miss by me. There is a fun little line there that cracked me up this time. He's like, "Get out of the car," and Terrence Howard goes, "You get out of my car." Yeah. He's like, get out of the car. Get it. Get it. Get out of the car. And then he rips the gun out of yeah. his hands and he goes, "Give me back my gun." <laughs> Give me back my gun. <laughs> like, I thought that was a good. Line. We had wondered what you know how else they would have done that, and in a deleted scene. From mm. uh, Best Picture Cast, you came up with an alternate storyline for uh, for Ludacris. It didn't make the episode, not for any real reason, just other than I think at that point I was concerned about episode length, which, <laughs> as you can see, That's is rich. Not, no longer a concern yeah. anymore. Uh, but I have that little clip for us today, and we'll oh. hear about what you pondered. Could this have been a, a, a better story arc ending for uh, Ludacris? I just, I just came, I just thought of something that I feel like would be an even better arc for ludicrous a better ending right say a um he's walking say he doesn't he doesn't pick up that van right although then those poor people are gonna starve to death in that van let's put let's put that aside (laughs) let's put that aside for a second say if he gets off the bus and he's walking around and he bumps into a white woman and her 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 diamond encrusted watch falls off or her purse drops and he picks it up and he gives it back to her. Yes. I feel like yes. that would be a yes. million times better because it's it's not as evil. Yeah, so I I, I, I kind of like that. It's a, a little more balanced with the crimes he's committing and being, you know, he's a very greedy that, that, character. That's a crime in his wheelhouse. Yes, yeah. yeah. And he's clearly motivated by greed and and uh, or or whatever it is. He's robbing people. So yeah. there's one where he maybe he didn't have to rob this person, but he returns it. I, I kind of like that. Yeah. So guys, if you're if you're listening out there in Hollywood, you want me to to fix your script, you just let me know. <laughs> I'll do it for a, a small fee. That's right. That's right. Alternate ending, Grant Z. That's uh, a, that's what I do. <laughs> uh, Grant, any other uh, hits and misses that you had here? You know, I'll I'll be honest. I, I had a hard time finding misses for myself it's not like it's not that i I didn't critique myself i'm very self-loathsome uh it's it's i don't know i just feel like this was such an easy episode i I really feel like we didn't really speak out of turn all that much i do have one uh me missing the point of the the ludicrous speech into the 
carjacking. You know, I, I kind of knew it was played up for laughs, but it didn't really resonate with me as as much as uh, you know, it, it should have. So yeah, I, I, I consider that a miss on my hmm. part. I did notice this time around that it's very the movie. It's very stage play it's written yeah. it's written like a stage play that scene is like straight out of a yes you know like an off-broadway type <laughs> very, of type very of much so yeah but yeah and and there's so one scene i was pretty hard on that i don't really feel the same way as the the, the fickner scene i was pretty rough on that now i i wasn't far off in the sense that it felt a little out of place because it and i learned today that it was filmed it's basically the last thing they filmed there was uh, a couple other scenes that had tied into a scene they were unable to film because a couple of the actors got sick and then couldn't get back on. Oh. So they had to, they called Fichter in last minute. Hmm. He happened to be in town or whatever. Sheetal got him in there and they did that scene and they had to kind of write that scene to connect some of the dots. So there was, oh, interesting. I was right to pick up the tonal awkwardness yeah, of it. Yeah, for sure. But I, I don't, I don't hate that scene now that I no. watch it. I think it, it, it makes more sense to me now and, um, I vibed with it a little more this time around, and and I I liked what what Fickner did in in that scene there. I like what Cheadle did in that scene too. Yeah, it's it's that scene that really solidifies my first miss, my first hit about the uh, Don Cheadle as a as as a standalone movie. I feel like that scene is really what brings it home. I noticed that you didn't list a hit for me that I thought you would have led with. I'm sorry. Um, the the Saw prequel uh, theory. The, you haven't. Oh, you know what? Let me add that to my misses. <laughs> you can. I will. I will. I. I think a, a hit on my part is me being very wary of your bullshit <laughs> theories. I was going to say extended universe. Those. I was. I was going to say you can actually hear Grant yeah. <laughs> lose his patience for me for the last time in that sentence. You know, he he joyfully goes okay, and then. I go, it's kind of a pretty... And he goes, okay. <laughs> and then from there on, it was, oh, God, Karen, no. <laughs> and then I don't think I I don't think I gained that back since that day. Uh, now it's now it's when I start no, that you're just instantly like, no, we're not doing this. Points, points for creativity. Points for creativity. <laughs> I, I, like, you, I like the whole thing is that you, you said that, uh, you know, they're wearing like the same outfits. It's like, yeah, a doctor was wearing scrubs and... <laughs> Another hit for me is uh, when I said that the best move at a restaurant is to order just a bunch of appetizers instead of an entree. That is a hit. Yes, yes. You 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 very uh, efficiently sidetracked and then went back to what you're saying on that one. You're like, oh no, that is a good move. Yeah, I'll give you a miss. Miss, please, one. please, because I am always praising your impressionisms and your your the different impersonations you do. Mm-hmm. Um, you gotta you gotta work on the Steve Austin one and. Then- <laughs> Okay. It was granted, granted. It was on the on the fly. It was on and, the cuff. Uh, I'm sure if you if you had a second to think about it, you'd have a better one. But that was uh, that the the Austin impression was a was a, a rare miss. Out of you there I'm, I'm one. trying to yeah, like um... <clears throat> oh hell yeah. See, that's a little better. Yeah, it's yeah, not that's bad. So you redeem yourself there. Yeah. I just remember there's there's was one episode where I I was like, you know, try to come up with like a. Walter White, uh, who, who plays Walter Brian White. Brian Cranston. Uh, Brian Cranston, Walter White yeah. impersonation. You're like, That's where oh, you're like, I don't know if I could do that. I'm yeah. like, I ah, just do, do your best. Then we record, and then like you do it. I'm like, oh my god! I was like, then I get chills. Like, it sounds exactly like him. What the fuck? Yeah, that was uh, Argo, probably. Yes, right? Argo episode. Yes, that's yeah. exactly right. Yeah, that was a good one. A little Bird York miss. We had some Bird York fun. Um, Bird York's in the movie. 
Oh. And she's an actress, not a singer. She just happened to sing that song. Which no is kidding. Yeah, so she's the she's the uh the cop who when they're they're interviewing the, the Barry Gibb lookalike undercover cop. Is oh, it, she's, the, Barry, she's, she's the one that explaining what happened. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And and so I she guess, she was the beat cop, then Cheel told her to find a witness. Yes, yeah. Okay. And and I guess she's a, a big character, a recurring character on the West Wing, which I've never seen. So that's probably why I didn't Pick oh, up okay. on her. Yeah, I've never seen yeah, her. So this was before our uh our running Keith David love. I mean, oh yeah, and he so, crushes it. So one we, scene we, and out. I'm I feel I feel bad. That's a miss on us that we didn't bring up Keith David. We love Keith David here. We're a big we're a big fan. Oh yeah. And and he's th- th- there's a couple of one scene and out guys in this. We mentioned Fickner, Tony Danza. Like <laughs> all the one scene and out people crush it in this. Yeah, no, it's they they kind of just come off the bench and they uh you know, they hit a double and they just kind of sit back down. You know, they get, you know, somebody pinch runs for him. I thought it, a hit on Myers, would, you know, we were talking about the the Matt Dillon character mm-hmm. and, you know, his basically what it meant with that scene with, with the fiery crash. And, you know, is, is he trying to redeem him as a character? And I, I liked my explanation of that. And I was kind of proud of myself because that was what I took away this time. And I didn't remember articulating it back then. I don't think I articulated it perfectly. But I, I think I got the sentiment right about, you know, the complications of being a, how a police officer has to manage being the first responder and managing being someone who's wielding a weapon and someone who's... Can also be a piece of shit. <laughs> yeah, who's basically has, has power, you know, yeah. has power that can be abused, you know, yeah. a pretty, on a pretty freelance basis. And I think it was just more about the, the litmus of what that role is in society yeah, and the confrontation between the victim and the perpetrator and the hero and the victim uh, of the of the accident too, you know, and it's yeah. It, 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 I I really liked that complication uh, this time around, and and thought that you know I I view it a little uh, not as cynically as 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 you do I I think okay with that, but I I, um, I think it is fair. In some other areas, to be cynical about about the intentions with this movie. Uh, hit hit by me, uh, Farrar, the shopkeeper, totally could have been arrested for attempted murder. <laughs> we confirmed this with the uh, with uh, we, Oz. We talked to Oz, team, who is a lawyer. He's, he's not legal team. He's not, he's not a he's not a criminal lawyer. But we had he, had he did some research. Research, God bless him. And in California, uh, let me uh, we can pull it up. Just give me one sec. Oz Oz looked it up and he saw something called. It's called factual impossibility, and basically, it's like even though the it's the attempt of something that is the crime, not the outcome. So mm. he, there, there's a few ex- examples here: a pickpocket tries to rob somebody, but they have empty pockets. Um, somebody that tries to sexually assault somebody, but they're impotent. And one of the examples is trying to shoot somebody, but the gun is empty. And I'm assuming that Blanks is under the same yes. guise. So that asshole could have gone to jail for a long time, you know, at least, you know, for a couple of years at least, had Michael Pena wanted to press charges on him. And, you know, he really should have because he almost killed his daughter. I would, I would have sent I would have sent the guy to jail. There you go. And we, we uh, shout out to Oz and the BPC legal team for coming, coming <laughs> yes. up with that info for us. Yeah. So we've been known to go on these mid-episode tangents, particularly in the first year of this, and some before we really knew what we were. Yeah, some are a little more uh, head scratching than others. I actually thought that this one broke the episode apart really nicely. Um, yeah, we were talking about some wacky things there, 
and you know whether it was Chuck Norris or or Bond or uh, whatever it was in the middle. But I, I really thought it kind of paced things nicely, and sure. I, I had a, I had fun with that this time around. It was very two thousand five. <laughs> it, re- it really fit perfectly with the with what we were going for. And a little uh, Eastwood talk in there too, which kind of a uh, little shade to the future. A little bit. Yeah, yeah little I, million, I, I little think million, I might have a miss on you. Million Dollar Baby talk? Going after American Sniper, saying it was a, a bad movie. Or, I, I'm still not a fan of it. Yeah. I stand by it. Yeah, and... It's not, uh, it's not my cup of tea. I have since seen Iwo Jima, Flags of the Fathers, American Sniper, and Richard Jewell, and Richard Jewell's a good one. So neither of us had seen that at the point. But you uh, did I, uh, I, say positive things about Iwo Jima. In that. It, what is Iwo Jima's really good? Yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's very good. Oh, and, and what I love the most about that little tangent there in the middle... Is 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 that when I finally say it's time? All right, let, getting back to crash, you go Ugh. <laughs> genuinely groan. We, we tried to, we yeah, those those were welcome distractions. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about Chuck Norris and and uh, Conan O'Brien and uh, and things like that. That's right. Do you, do you still listen to the Conan O'Brien podcast? Uh, all, every, every week, really? I love it. And to this it, day, I still have not given it a chance. As I said, I would. It's so it's so good. Well, and he, a, is he does uh, he does interviews. He does celebrity interviews, but then he also does something. So like that's one day a week. Then another day is uh, people from all over the world like Skype in, and they just do like a quick like a twenty thirty minute interview. Oh, hmm. and he just like talks to somebody from like Norway for a half hour or somebody from like just a Thailand. random fan. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, cool. And it's really cool. And now it, actually, what he's doing right now is him, Kevin Nealon, Dana Carvey, and Robert Smigel are doing a table read of the um, of the not produced Hans and Franz movie that they wrote in the nineties. Oh wow! Huh. And they're going and they're playing and they're playing the roles and, and things like that. Oh cool! It's pretty wild. Yeah. Yeah. So when you've caught up on all your uh, hours of Best Picture cast, you know. Yeah. Listen. Listen to it. Yeah. I'm sure he needs the plug. Yeah. So, right. Yeah. Seriously. Getting back to Crash. Uh, <laughs> uh. <laughs> this is just gonna touch on some of the complicated material. Uh, that we discussed, and I'm going to marry a hit with a miss. I give us some credit for tackling the Brokeback Mountain stuff right at the beginning of the podcast Mm -hmm. and kind of inviting in the conversations about Hollywood and and telling the gay romance story and not being ready or, or whatnot. You know, we didn't have to do that. We did, and you know, in hearing it this time around, I'm like, wow, you know, that I thought that was considering this is the, only the fourth podcast I ever did, and the third, and we already had some complicated material to talk about. I, I was kind of, uh, it was a little exciting to hear us to, to tackle that, yeah, when we probably were, were were not fully prepared to grasp it. We didn't shy away from it, you know. I th- I think we handled the the. I feel like we handled it with maturity and with self awareness, which is kind of what you the most important part mm. of, of handling this. But I think it was important to talk about, you know, in the 15 years between crash and now, like how different things are yeah, and how differently we view things. And we used comedies like 40 year old virgin and wedding crashers to kind of bring those points home. Yeah. And, and, you know, we did so as we said in the very beginning of the episode with, acknowledging that we have very little understanding of the perspective of some of these groups, you know? Yeah, for sure. And that's where it's going to slide into the miss end of things a bit. I think that any of the, all of those Philippi, and I'll speak for myself, but those Philippi conversations, the two main Ryan Philippi scenes, uh, 
Uh, and granted, a lot has happened between 2020 and today yes. in the areas of, of police violence and, and whatnot there. I just don't know that I would have talked as much as I did on that certain area. I, I, I just, it was kind of clear how naive some of my understandings are about that. Uh, I think that you saved things a little bit there, Grant, just in in kind of bringing up a lot of the of the the police violence problems at the time, even at that time. I mean, this yeah, is before this, this, this before is pre BLM this is, really this, takes off. This was around. Months. I mean, this was after. Um, it's before William. It's before Floyd. Before Floyd, um, but it's like after it's after Eric Garner, um, and the, and Ferguson and all that stuff. Right. Um. But yeah, and the no. Zimmerman stuff—it's it's years after that. It's after so, that yeah. for sure. Yeah, the, the and uh, yeah, I mean, the stuff was in the ether when we were recording it. This was this was before, but like the George Floyd protests were that was that was nationwide. It was people literally walking down. And a few months later, after it, recording it, this. it was in the summer of 20, yeah, so it's only only four summer five of twenty twenty one or yeah. summer twenty twenty. It's um, but like yeah, I mean these these protests were were, the protesters were were marching down our street, you know, like like really like very close to where I live, and there is more awareness even now. There's more awareness now than there was three years ago. Yeah, and and I just I'm not at all qualified to speak on police procedure, <laughs> what they should and shouldn't be doing in what scenarios. And yeah, I mean I um, I barely can. My my dad was a cop. But that's that's as far as my my research goes, my expertise goes. Yeah, so uh, I'll just leave that stuff up to someone else. I think. Uh, you know, I think in that context, I'm sure we'll talk a little about this a little more. That I I don't think that this movie has aged as poorly as we thought it had when we first recorded the podcast. I think that there's some conversations within this movie that have aged interestingly where. Yeah. Well, we, we, we made this, we made this point about Ryan Phillippe's thing is his, 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 well, except for the goddamn ending, but the whole, the whole scene with him and Terrence Howard probably aged the best out of everything. Yes. I think, yeah, I think that scene alone ages very well. Um, I think we're even three years removed from it. I think the the treatment of Farrar, I feel like that's even more removed. Mm-hmm. You know, really, you know, I mean, I'm, it happens, right? There's right. bigotry happens to every, you know, to every group, including um, people of Middle Eastern descent. But it's that's not what you really hear about anymore because this is also very far removed from the nine eleven events yes yeah and that was a huge part of it uh yeah and and you know it was right after 9-11 there was definitely a lot of uh hostility towards the middle eastern people living in america you know i I, um so uh, i'm sure that that was way more on the minds of people when this movie came out than it is today that we've kind of unfortunately forgotten about that a little bit but okay i think it's time here to uh to bring in our guest is it grant oh boy i guess so all right and now we bring in our guest for the evening he is of course the one and only adam saint john adam welcome Oh, thank you for for having me uh, on what I'm sure will be one of your most listened to episodes. I'm really excited to be a a part of it. Ah, yes, the return to one of the most beloved Best Picture winners of all time. Uh, No, 
I, you know what, Adam? What it is 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 that I have been on your podcast a couple times talking Christmas movies. So I had to bring you in for the only Christmas movie to win Best Picture in Crash. I'm I'm glad we brought this up early because that was going to come up later at some point. So <laughs> <laughs> going my way, not a Christmas movie. Nope. Who sings Christmas songs in May? Not not. Listen, not even Bing Crosby's allowed to get away with listen, that. Listen, it's I'll 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 keep my mouth shut. <laughs> we'll have to bring that up on the return to going my way. Uh, but that's <laughs> not what we're doing here today. This is the return to crash. Adam, thank you. We we talked a little bit in the intro about your uh, relationship with Crash in the past. Uh, you were on our rankings episode. You did have it slotted in a twenty of forty five. So those we we put those stats out there because it's not. <laughs> Showing hands is that information's out there to the to the public. When's the last time you watched Crash before watching it for this this return? Uh, I'm pretty sure I fit it in before driving out to Long Island. Um, okay, so uh, July, last July, probably. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. All right, so this is this isn't like a, a a big gap here. That was me and Grant both have not watched it since the original episode. So before we get into the nitty gritty with it, just give us uh, tell the people a little bit what some of the other pods you do. Plug yourself. All that stuff. Oh, sure. So um, I am a co-host of two different film podcasts. Uh, the short synopsis on each one of them is called A Thousand and One by One, where we take films out of the book, A Thousand and One Movies You Must See Before You Die. And me and uh, BPC regular uh, Joey and Britt, we um, we talk about films out of the book, uh, sort of their history, um, their prestige, and then we kind of break them down both analytically and just from our own standpoint. And we sort of come to the conclusion, should this film be in the book? Should this movie be something that you see? Um, and then uh, my wife and I, Melissa, we uh, do a show called Below Freezing where we only talk about movies that have Rotten Tomato scores of 32% or less. We're just, I think we're kind of, we're, I'm not sure when this will come out, but I think we're hitting our little, we're taking a little summer break. So we've recorded through a bunch that we just did. And yeah, so I talk about movies that all over the place. That's, that's what I do. <laughs> that's right. And you uh, will have just heard Adam on our Out of Africa episode, which came out last week. That was a fun Adam, combo we had there, Adam. Adam and Melissa, the freezers, as we uh, so uh, lovingly call them. Yes. It, it certainly, it it was it was more of a robust conversation than I think we were going to have about that movie. So Yeah. I, yeah. yeah. Same. Yeah, we def- definitely covered all the stops uh, across the continent there for that. Uh, we, for we, uh, we rinsed and repeated that episode. We, yeah, we rinsed and repeated. We made it out of Africa and all the way up to Northern Europe on that one. <laughs> yeah, sure. And now we're right back in L.A. where we <laughs> are all where the it all began. Adam, I got to ask because you're a physical media uh, ally here. How did you watch Crash for this? Uh, I watched it on Blu-ray. I watched it on the Blu-ray that I've had for quite some time now. This might have been a really early purchase back when, uh, I don't know, did you guys have Hollywood video out on the East Coast? Was that a- Oh, yeah. Sure did. Yeah, okay, yeah okay. sure did. So so they used to do this great thing where like you could get Blu-rays or DVDs like three for 20 or three for 25 or whatever it was. And I would frequently do that with my, my, my pittance of a high school paycheck I would get from my job. And- um, <laughs> And so this was this was my senior year of high school, and this is I've been firmly kind of into the physical media world at that point at that age. Um, and this was the year I think I really tracked the Oscars start to finish from like the beginning. So I was I was well aware of Crash and the Crash V Brokeback Mountain debacle and everything. Um, yeah, but yeah, but this was this was with me from the good old good old senior year days. Cool. Yeah. And I watched on uh, a good old DVD widescreen, 
version here if you put you it still in there. have like the top sticker right. current that yes. is that drives me nuts okay, okay. well I, I like it just for uh retro birds this was uh this was my mom's uh, copy here mm. i uh have it now and okay. yeah it was uh it was interesting i got to check out old paul haggis your dear friend paul haggis grants uh i mean commentary listen you know. he's a piece of shit did you ever make that <laughs> trial date to support him Brent? uh no i was going to danny masterson's uh can oh. trial so i missed it he, he did lose he did yeah. lose yeah oh well um anyway uh yes grant's dear friend paul haggis we'll uh we'll have to talk about that later adam yes <laughs> we lost him he's, he's signing uh, out uh, listen you've you've spoken a little bit about crash in the past here on these airways and some others uh, just kind of some opening thoughts on the film and then maybe some opening thoughts on our uh our, our very early discussion on yeah. Best Picture Cast. It's so funny. I, I, given given everybody... Well, not everybody. That's that's not true. This film was actually pretty roundly accepted when it came out. Um, yeah, there were people who didn't like it, but a lot of people who did. I personally have never seen this as a film that is trying to solve anything. To me, this is more of a kind of kaleidoscopic look at the randomness of the world and everybody's sort of coming in in and out of each other's lives um, movie. I've always been a fan of the movie. That doesn't mean it's not without its problems. There are a few few glaring things that are are, are wrong with it. Um, But it's it's just always been a movie that I I have found kind of accessible in the way that it it just, um, in the way that like an Argo works, right? It's like, I remember I was on this watch, so... We get to the scene where Michael Pena is with his daughter. He's talking about the the cloak and the bolt and stuff. And it's that's like about 30 minutes into the movie. The movie's not that long anyway. And I'm like, God, the 30 minutes just flew by. It just flies by. Then all of a sudden, the store's been broken into. And then all of a sudden, we're on the fucking freeway and the car's upside down. And it's just, it moves at such a clip, which, mm. you know, some people could say that that's part of its detriment that we don't really get to know enough of these people i i think that's the point i don't think we are supposed to know these people very well i think we're seeing a lot of these people at their worst no and and i think we mentioned just how i mean this is it is a quick two hours i mean it definitely books it it moves it moves yeah just just a couple introductory thoughts on uh me and grant um trying to navigate the world of podcasting uh, back in january of 2020 okay i did i did listen i did listen to this episode um Okay, so a couple of things. Did you did you already hit on like the fact that you called the Airheads episode way fucking early on? <laughs> no, well, we did. Uh, we, I got a good tongue lashing for some of my uh, Brendan Fraser bashing, and I I did dial back some of those words. We well, played the ta- audio clips. So. Talk about talk about something that's aged poorly on your end, man. Who who would have known is, he was going to win an Oscar a few years later? <laughs> freezing cold take. Certified cold take. Certified cold take. All right. So, uh, Adam, I, I know you said you have a few things. So before we go into the, the specifics here, are we ready to do the uh, the re-deep dive plunge back to 2005? Are you ready? Can Ooh. you go back there? Can I you can, go back to 2005? I can try. I can try. Oh, let's do it. How old were you in 2005, Adam, by the way? Uh, I was graduating high school, so I was okay. uh, 18 um, and, you know, young, dumb, and fully you-know-what. Yes, yeah, and we're, and we're Grant, you and I are probably smack in the center of college, right? I mean, Juniors, I, I, I think? 2005, I was 20, no, I was, I was like 21, yeah, 21. 22, yeah, so, hmm. yeah, oh, yeah, 06, we, well, we're supposed to graduate college, I didn't. But we're supposed to graduate college in 06. So, yeah, so it was around there. 
heading back now to 2005. And in 2005, George Bush was the president. I think it's his, his re-election. Uh, but there was a, a very uh, intriguing World Series grant, which we or which I uh, announced as the matchup between two shady franchises. Did you bring your garbage can to bang with? Today? I did not. That was not. that was one of the things I was when I was talking about like just dial it back, Grant. <laughs> that was banging on the uh, the, the Christmas I, the Christmas popcorn tin. I got a kick out of it. Too, okay. Kick out of it. But okay. one thing I do want to highlight in this World Series is this is the Chicago White Sox versus the Houston Astros. And uh, we'll we'll keep we'll keep it relatively brief because I know the two of your patience with my baseball rants are are, are very low. Um, but it's fair. I want to highlight uh, the two DH first basemen from that World Series headed in, and that's Frank Thomas and Jeff Bagwell. I'm sure names you guys are both familiar with. The Big Hurt. Frank big Thomas hurt. was still playing at that point. It was uh, yeah, it was. He was toward the end of his career, wow. and it was the last uh, year in Bagwell's career. I think he retired maybe the next offseason or so okay but the that, two that, players that have batting stance yes that's right and yeah. he's uh he went to hartford college too by the way no kidding yes but um some interesting similarities between those two players same birthday mm-hmm. born on the same day both bagwell and frank thomas and they were both drafted in the same year 1989 both had their first full season in 1991 they both won the mvp in 1994, they both entered their first World Series here in 2005. Oh. So all of those uh, exact career paths. Uh, when Bagwell retired, he had 449 home runs, and Frank Thomas had 448 home runs. Interesting. And both now are Major League Baseball Hall of Famers. So, so what were their thoughts on Crash? <laughs> I think they probably watched it together okay. right after they... <laughs> Right after the uh, uh, the White Sox swept the Astros, so so it's been. I, I will. I'm a lapsed base, baseball fan. I really haven't watched uh, a whole lot in the last five or so years. But correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, last time I checked, the White Sox and the Astros were both in the American League. At, the, ah, at that yes. at that point, the Astros were in the National. Were they still in the National? Oh, and okay, they okay. were. Yeah. Yes, All yeah. Right. So they they switch over probably soon after. Yeah. This soon after to even out the league, so there was a, the same number of teams uh, uh, in either league, and then at that point it was fifteen on either side. So there had to be an interleague game at at, at every day at one point. Right. Uh, and now at this point, everybody plays everybody for the first year. But that's a good pickup there. That's right. It was uh, there. There are people listening in saying, "What is this? Why are there two American League teams playing each other in the World Series here?" More likely, they're listening in and saying, well, "Why the fuck are they talking about this?" Yeah. That's probably ah, the most ah. uh, the most likely. But that's what we do here. At least that's what I do here. And I just I endure all the uh, the eye rolls and and whatnot. But <laughs> yes, and it, uh, the White Sox were managed by Ozzie Guillen, Ozzie the controversial Ozzie Guillen, ex Brave, and the MVP, the World Series MVP, was another ex Brave, Jermaine Die. Oh wow, was the MVP there? This is the time here where we talk about the number one hit song. And uh, a, a little quick correction on that one, as I said, and I, I think I do correct this in the following episode. I said Mariah Carey is the first. And only person ever to have four number ones in four consecutive decades. Mm-hmm. I said the 80s, 90s, 2000s, and 2010s. It's actually the 90s, 2000s, 2010s, and 2020s. Okay. Because the Christmas, uh, um, all I want all for I Christmas, want for Christmas was number one in December 2019, and then the first week in January 
2020, which was the technicality. Yeah, well, that barely of the, counts. The four then. decades, but that barely still, counts. A decade, nonetheless. All right. Uh, she did go in again in 2021. If you want to play the uh, zero, doesn't start the decade game. She does do it again. So anyway, this is the portion of the podcast where I sing the number one song of 2005 as Eric Cartman from South Park. Here we go. This is a this is a song I wasn't super familiar with coming in. So here we go. When you left, I lost a part of me. It's too so hard to believe. Come back, baby, please, because we belong together. Clifford. <clears throat> there we go. Grant, did I win you over there? Nope. We Belong Together by Mariah Carey. Oh, okay. So, yes. Uh, okay. The remix Crash. is better. Sorry, just going to put it out there. There's a remix. Oh, right. I, I believe Old Dirty Bastard is in the... Uh, the remix just oh, is that right odb yeah, makes right. everything better yeah 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 i gotta say i had not even heard this song it's, it's kind of surprising when there's one that recent recent that's a number one of the year that you haven't heard yeah yeah, yeah. i i've i've come especially now like i'm completely separated from everything in the pop charts like i have no idea of any new bands oh, i'm like i got this i don't wrong. think yeah i i don't i don't think i've like my taste in music has grown past like 2013, 2014. It's just mm. been, yeah, I'm, I'm stuck. I'm stuck. Now we're stuck on crash here, Grant. <sighs> Adam. Yes. One of the things that I kind of noticed this time around, and uh, tell me if, if you agree or, or disagree, because there's a little more in your wheelhouse of expertise. I, I got a vibe from the, the script and the screenplay this time around. It was very kind of like stage play or written like a stage play. Um, certain scenes in particular, like Ludacris and Lorenz Tate before the uh, carjacking, um, it kind of really felt like a. it was written like an off-Broadway play. Did you get that vibe at all, or am I kind of uh, reaching a bit like that? No, I I, I see where you're coming from. I, I, I agree to to an extent. Uh, this is very dialogue-driven, um, and usually... Academy embraces the spectacle or or a vision or feel over necessarily like something that's as dialogue heavy as this. Um, uh, where I thought you were gonna go, and and uh, what I noticed a lot, and I think I I probably knew this in one way or another, but the thing that I that struck me the most this time was this this kind of is an actor's wet dream of a movie. Um, the stakes are high in every scene, and 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 it's everybody gets like something meaty to do. And I, I won't, I, I have some stuff for the categories later, but like, even if you're only in a scene or two, you get a chance to really go for it in the scenes. Um, and then from, and from like the actors making it like this was a short shoot and most people were only involved in a certain number of scenes. So like, you're, you're not talking about a huge commitment. So yeah, you, you're an actor. You'd be like, I, I, you need me for what five days. And I get to do some, I get to say some pretty, intense stuff and like everybody everybody i mean i shouldn't be so generalized but like as an actor i love personally i love playing people who aren't me and who are kind of like assholes because you don't get to go through life being that kind of person or hopefully you don't i mean i i, I would like to think that i don't but like so specifically when i think about like the matt dylan character like on the mm -hmm. page that's probably a really interesting part because yeah look at all the things he says and his beliefs and it's there's something really to chew on oh and then he has this flip later when he has to deal with Thandi newton being in the car it's it's really enticing to actors um and that's what i notice is i think you get a lot to chew on it's a lot of bang for your buck 
Yeah, I, I think the one role that I noticed that the most in was the Terrence Howard role, where he, you, he you, had you spotlight him specifically. Yeah, he yeah. had a ton of play to uh, to to find a bunch of different range of emotions, and there was some there was a lot of canvas to play with for, mm-hmm. for him for sure. I thought, and then you, uh, Adam, you brought up Matt Dillon, who has had an interesting career. He's kind of a little, little bit of like a like a teenage heartthrob. He started acting very very young, and then kind of was one of those child actors who was able to establish himself as an adult actor and he comes into this one where i mean i think he absolutely crushes it he's great um he's great in this yeah yeah and and you know a, a hard role to play apparently it was particularly hard for him because he you know, couldn't be any opposite of the to person that he's portraying it's, yeah you're going to some places there with that so adam have you ever portrayed like a real despicable character before or had, or had to go that route um, I, yes, and uh, I'm currently working on a character for a play that I'm going to start rehearsals for in uh, about a week and a half. It, it, the, I mean, broad strokes, and I'm really dumb. I'm really just like keeping this short. But I'm I play a person who is a part of a uh, a group, um, and you know, I trigger warning for to be listening. Um, I'm a part of a group of pro-lifers who abduct women who are seeking abortions. Hmm. And make oh, wow. them and make them stay pregnant and give birth because that's what they believe in. Um, so I'm literally working on somebody right now whose beliefs could not be any further from my own, and um, it is an absolute challenge. Like you know, you you see the words on the page, the words that you're eventually going to speak, and you have to. And that's the the tricky thing is to not just like try to make a character. Like that's that's one thing, but our job is to make it believable like if i come out Mm. mustache twirling or trying to play a villain you're never going to believe me but so having to play this guy sincere like that's the thing and so there's a lot of characters in crash who are like that's they have to and actually i i think a lot of sandra bullock's character like she's got a lot of repressed rage and shit that she is dealing with and so of course she comes like it'd be easy to go oh she's just a bitch but like i there's probably more going on there that we never ever get to know because, of course, the movie only lasts as long as it does. It, you know, it's like what is it, thirty six hours or whatever in these people's lives. I do think though that there's an there's an area where the script misses a bit with her. Uh, it, to, to me, it's just I, I find that character so underwritten. And you know, we can lean into the suppressed rage, or you know, I'm angry all the time and I don't even know why. Uh, I I I think that they that the heart was more in a lot of. Uh, developing or writing the brief moments of those other characters and then she was kind of like all right we had to get her in here for that and i don't necessarily think it's a huge knock on her as an actress specifically but i I don't think there was enough written for her and where her character lands literally uh it just isn't isn't enough to make that one work for me i i know adam that you praise the 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 fact that these characters are intentionally underdeveloped like what you're seeing is just kind of scratching the surface of who these people are but i i do like to get to know when i watch something i do like to get to know these people that i'm watching so i can you know try my hardest to get invested into these characters and for some of them it works uh but for some it doesn't and that includes sandra bullock i think she just it just doesn't doesn't work for me Oh, and it it does. It's not a it's not a home run for me with with her part. And I agree. And I think this is absolutely a script that has two to or five diff like uh, little 
side tangent stories that we just that we just don't need. I mean, and it's right. it's it's true. Um, it, and it's it's you know in a very weird way, it's not unlike out of Africa where there are certain like chunks and vignettes that really work that really pop out, and then others where it's like, nah, that's that's a no for me, dog. Right? It's just it's there's yeah. and it's and and for me with Crash the moments that work it's it's much more easy it's easier for me to forgive the parts that don't because the parts that do like land really hard so you know that's yeah. that's kind of where i sit with it well and you know in a, in talking about like okay only seeing a glimpse of someone's life but really getting to know them uh, look at the michael pena character if, right. if forget about the the big scenes with him, which of course is the you know with with his daughter there, the two with his daughter, the one by the bed and the one uh, in, in the street, those are obviously the two big ones. But two little ones, we see uh, Sandra Bullock kind of go off on him, whatever, and we see how patient he is with her. Doesn't say anything, kind of moves on, barely even gives her a look, and then moves on. And then we see him with the store owner over the lock and the door conversation. And we see him kind of lose his patience, not out of an inability, not out of anger, right? Not out of anger. And and it's 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 really just out of exhaustion. Yeah. It's like the end of the day. And frustration. It's just like but it's like it's at the end of the day, it's like I've been doing this shit all day. I'm done. All right, dude. You don't want to pay for it, fine, whatever. I'm leaving. Yeah, I mean, and really the amount of restraint he shows that guy is commendable yeah like he, he, he just he just but just in those yeah. two interactions you you learn so much about the character before you even need to get into his relationship with his daughter and uh and, and that really goes into you know it's just a little in his performance but there's a little bit of his written it's like that's a really well-developed character i think the the matt dillon but, character they do give you a lot more but there's a lot of interesting yeah. conversations you could have about him well, too the the thing the thing that sets michael pena apart is that he's the only character? He's really he's one of the few characters that's not that's not written as this bigoted person. And I think there's a lot of emphasis put on taking jabs at different ethnicities or races, and you kind of you kind of lose the fastball a little bit. So Michael Pena, instead of him being reduced to calling the shop owner, the shopkeeper, you know, racist things. It, it went a different route, and I mm. think that worked in his favor. Adam Grant specifically, but me too, uh, beat down quite a bit on the the the, sh- the store shop uh, owner. Um, some thoughts on that character and how he's uh, navigates his way through this movie. That's a tough, uh, you know. It, it's well, it's it's tough because he's constantly aggressive in it, right? And it's and yeah. he's pretty relenting, and, and like you know, when the when the insurance agents like you know we're chalking this up as negligence. We're not paying for anything. Like it's like, yeah, dude, like that's kind of just how that's going to go. You didn't yeah. listen, you know? And and so, <laughs> and so, but like, that's also, that's part of, you know, like that's, that's his story, right? That's what's happening with him. He, that's how he's going to learn whatever. I, you know, I, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to tangent too much and I'm not going to like tell a story, but one of the things that you guys mentioned, Adam, Adam, Every time you say you don't want to go on a tangent, you say something that's way better than anything we have. So please go, go on a tangent. Tangent away. Well, so so on your on your initial episode, um, you guys got into this conversation that I I, I really thought was interesting about, um, and and this isn't the brokeback crash, 
um, controversy, but where we were with uh, race relations in film versus where we were with uh, homophobia in films, right? And right, and and that's and that's a that's a a real thing. And and I think Grant, you referenced like Wedding Crashers and Forty Year Old Virgins and how it was so easy just to like gay jokes. That's just where we were, right? We could, yeah. We, that's how we handled our 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 homophobia in two thousand five. Um. But the post nine eleven of of it all, and, and you and you guys talk about that as well. But uh, you you guys kind of got on like, do people really say and do these things? Um, and 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 like, and you're talking to somebody who was a, 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 an entire coast away from New York when nine eleven happened. But right, I remember like I remember being in a seven eleven months after nine eleven in Washington, like in Washington State, and. Watching a woman pay a man behind the counter who was clearly of Middle Eastern descent. She she bought four dollars worth of something. She gave him a ten and she refused to take her change back from him because of who he was. And <sighs> and 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 that, that moment always sticks out with me just because like yeah. people are clearly capable of of this kind of hate. Now, do they always phrase it as poetically and elegantly as they do in the movie Crash? No, not at all. But like the idea, and you know, and I'm quoting, but like having Raghead tagged in your store, like mm. that shit happened. I mean, there was the there was the the mosque that was tagged. Was it in Texas or something? there was like like just horrible anti-Semitic things spray painted over. That was like just a few years ago. So yeah, that kind of racist hatred does exist, and and I think the problem with the movie is that they, they do it in a way that feels a little too soap opera esque, but it's, mm-hmm. if they had found that balance, they could have found something a little hard hitting because it, it does exist. It absolutely happens. Yeah. And you know, I mean, we were, Grant and I were seniors in high school, uh, uh, you know, the morning of nine 11 and you know, my, uh, my mom, my mom was flying to Vegas that day from New York oh, geez. and I didn't know, I didn't know that she was okay until like f- sixth period. Ugh. So yeah, it was it was it was a it was a bad day. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. and you know there was absolutely an animosity that went on there for a while there, for leading sure. into the you know into the the uh, the Iraq War, into the Afghanistan War, and that you know I remember there was uh, a, a restaurant that opened with Middle Eastern owners, and there were I heard you know I heard people say things like I'm not giving I'm not giving business to those terrorists Ugh. you know you and you you know and you know and i'm like uh, you know i mean you're senior in high school you're still a kid but you you know you hear like adults say that you know it, that's you know Staggering. that's jarring yeah. yeah uh so yeah that that uh, i hear that and the language that the movie uses is just a little you know what you said soap opera adam um you know to me it's a little cartoony it's just a bit very script writery we we said know, we we, we the, hey old sama you do this you do you know that yeah not that there's you know a proper way to articulate racism but like, <laughs> it's not uh, it it does seem like Excuse a little me, like, there i do believe it's a bit yeah. pulpy it's a bit pulpy for we me. i think we did use the term soap prop you know soap opera to describe some of this dialogue mm-hmm. um yeah, well, that's 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 the thing. We we talked about this where how everything is just dialed up to twelve. Yep. And it's not. I th- I think it's I think it's more dialed up now. I I think that that's kind of a miss of mine where I said that a lot of racism is subtle. I don't think it's as subtle anymore. I mean, it is at some points, but I think I think it's I think people are a little bit more open about it than they used to be. I mean, we we just I mean we talk about how it's it's crazy how different 
things are from 2020 to 2023. A you world know, different. That, that, it's so different. I, I think things have changed more in those three years than they had maybe in the, in the, 15. the 15 years bef- bef- between Crash in, and our podcast. So, in yeah. some aspects, I think you're right. Yeah. yeah. Um, I got to c- close the gap on the on the store owner. Um, as someone who's responsible for a brick-and-mortar business, the thought that you could knowingly leave your door <laughs> open and then expect insurance to be responsible for anything yeah. is just... I just that's that's laughable to me. I, can, yeah. I mean, like if I left my business door open, I deserve what get what mm-hmm. what gets. And believe me, and 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 I'll, I'll, anyone who's been in that type of business before, you always have that moment where you're driving home and you go, "Oh God, did I close the front door?" Oh, to the I, points where I've even turned around and checked. And I, and thankfully, it's it's always locked. Yeah. But you just fear it. My my neurotic ass would have done that a million times. Yeah, and the yeah. thought that you're just this is our life. This is all we have. Why did you go to bed with the door open yeah. then? How could you get 10 minutes of sleep? All nighter if you yeah. have to, right? You know? <laughs> well, that's, I mean, that's, and that's the thing, because you, you talked about this before. You were, you were def- Kieran, when during the episode, you were defending his actions, saying, well, he didn't understand what Michael Pena was talking about. He understood perfectly what Michael Pena was saying. I liked that conversation that you and I, that exchange that you and I had, just because, uh, and I was trying to get, I was trying to get inside the head of the character and, you know, and, and how people have been taking advantage of him and people can do that. You're a cheater. I, I get, <laughs> I get where your side of it was too. Yeah. But, uh, I, I, I don't, I don't regret that. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> no regrets. Him and his daughter having an emotional conversation in English at the end is completely ridiculous. Well, it's, it's uh, completely and ridiculous. I, I don't, I don't want to get started on the whole thing where he calls that girl his angel. Um, oh yeah. You when, were very frustrated. The, well, about that. I mean, I, Nothing bothers me more than somebody that does something very stupid, gets away with it, and doesn't acknowledge how they got away with it, and they they think it's something else that's supernatural. Like fuck that guy. Uh, the old the old placing the bad bet and winning anyway, right? Yeah. <sighs> I don't know. Um, uh, Adam, uh, we, uh, other stuff on your list that uh, that you kind of highlighted from the conversation. I mean, how 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 directly related to Crash do you want it to be? Uh, why do you have a Chuck Norris joke for us? <laughs> no, uh, I I definitely do not have. Thank uh, uh, that's okay. Thank you. Chuck I appreciate Norris it. Joke. Um, just uh, a couple of I when you when when you played Kid Rock, I audibly booed um, as I was yeah. listening. Uh, that was a thing, and just uh, just a just a disagreement that um, I, I I'm only like a few years younger than you guys, but. I, Pierce Brosnan's not my Bond. He's not my Bond, mm. guys. It's Ooh. it's Craig. It's absolutely Daniel Craig. Yeah, that few years makes a difference because Goldeneye gets us in middle school, but I, and it and was just I, a big deal. I had Goldeneye too, though. I was in fifth grade when I got Goldeneye. Big difference between fifth and eighth, though. You know, it's like <laughs> you know, I mean, we, eighth. We're we're walking around in NWO shirts and we're playing Goldeneye, and so here's the we're, thing. we're quoting so, South Park, and that's what we're doing. But see, here's the thing: I'm I'm doing all of those things too. Like I like that's the problem with my fifth grade. It's like I was 11. And I was I was giving my friends the copy of my South Park cassette tape that I had. Like I was the <laughs> I was the friend that got there got my friends in trouble. I was the kid who got like pre ordered Eminem's second CD because I was like so excited for it, and I gave it to yeah. my best friend, and his dad broke it 
because he was like, you shouldn't be listening to this. And I was like, that was my 20 bucks, asshole. Oh, he, like, he, what are you he, bro- he broke the Marshall Mathers LP? He really did. He uh, knows, that's a I was shame. very bummed about that. Yeah. Great CD. That's a, that's a great CD. Yeah. That was, a, that was a, a regular on the bus ride in for me there. Okay. Yeah. I don't know how well that one's aged either, though. I'm sure that's got some. Uh, well, oh, you shouldn't really, li- you shouldn't oh. really listen to Kim right now. Yeah, he's he, well, he's a bit of a dated artist. Uh-oh. What's next, Adam? What do you, what else you have uh, highlighted? I I there's there's a kind of movie that I I do enjoy, and I think you, Kieran, I think it was you who I think brought up Pulp Fiction in comparison of just the sort of the in and out of people's lives, the short the short kind of time frame, and 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 um kind of we just kind of float in and out. Um, and I'm not saying that that, that crash is a, uh, like a, a prime example of that kind of storytelling, but I do. There is something about that kind of movie that pulls me in, whether or not it works. I mean, I remember. Do you guys remember remember the movie Vantage Point? Do you remember this? Yes. Yeah. Uh, it was like, uh, Den- Dennis Quaid and and Matthew Fox. Matthew Fox, right? Yes. And there's a crime that happens, and there's like surveillance footage and video footage and cell phone footage, and they're trying to piece together who killed this person. And like on paper, and the trailer makes me go like, "Oh, that looks really good. It's a contained yeah. window. There's kind of a ticking clock element to it." And it's like, "Oh, that's awesome." That's and the movie's god awful. It's not a good movie at all. Um, <laughs> but that kind of movie really intrigues me. And and so the 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 connected this. I, I mean, I won't lie the the way in which these people's lives kind of come together specifically not not just Matt Dillon and Thandie Newton but also uh Terrence Howard and Ludacris um the way in which these and I guess I should throw in Ryan Phillippe there too um back in that the way that that little um police chase goes but the way in which if you're just kind of open to um the possibility of of the way in which you know people are kind of destined to meet. I looked into this not not because of this movie. I was actually when I was uh, in grad school, I was trying to, I was doing some research on a piece that I wanted to create with uh, uh, a group of actors, and I looked into this thing called collision theory. Now this is this is science. This is like uh, atoms and things like that. But there are collision theory is this idea that if you certain elements are changed, that atoms are more likely to collide. Things like if you if you heat them up, if you condense space, things like this, right? And 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 it's a to, it's a total science thing. But I I used to think about collision theory in terms of people. Like if you're you know if your social bubble changes and you go and you change the coffee shop you go to and you go to the same coffee shop over and over and over again, you're going to see the same people and ultimately inevitably you're going to see them somewhere else. And all of a sudden that person takes on its a new light and um. Even though LA is a big city, I think part of what draws me in is this shit does happen. I mean, like the randomness of life. Um, and again, maybe it's a bit too perfect and filmy in this movie, but it's also a film. And I love the way in which this movie does work in that way where it it's just happens. It's like something was in the air for that 36 hours on the, the random day in, in LA where it, it finally snows. Yeah. I mean, listen, that's a, that's a well, well put defense of it. And I I love I love that I love all that and there are moments where in the movie where it's like oh you know uh, all right the the seeing that the, they they drive the same truck so there you can see how that you know all right we lost that truck because of the blood in it now we have to find another one it's the same reason that he got pulled over because they were looking for the stolen one so that that's what makes sense the the part that loses me and again like you said if you're not willing to embrace that is where it gets nitpicky is just the sheer volume. Of Los Angeles and the number of people on the streets and cars in the road, and it's just like, you know, if this were Omaha, Nebraska, 
I'm a little more um, I'm a little more able to grasp it. But uh, the the fact that you know Shaniko Johnson crashes into someone right in front of Ludacris, as you said before, right. Grant. So um, well, and that the end like there there are two moments. I mean, and depending on who you are, this might sound like a laughably low number, but to me there are, there are two moments that really. I really just dislike in this movie, and the ending is one of them. I I think the ending is yeah. fucking yeah. stupid. And any and if you if you allow if you are a me and you allowed yourself to go on the journey and and buy kind of what's going on, I mean we just like think what you want to about the Bird York song. It's fine. It's whatever. It works for the moment, I guess. But like we just have this nice kind of lovely montage of things happening, and then it's like nah, fuck it. <laughs> yeah. Racism will always reign. It just was weird. It's a really weird trying to be comedic ending that falls terribly flat. Yeah, no good. Yeah, uh, Adam, I'm just curious. Do you think that this movie, because um, you're you're much better with this than I am with the whole everyone kind of uh, quote unquote crashing into each other. Um, <laughs> Do you think this would have worked better had there been had there been a smaller cast? You take away like two storylines, and that way it's a little bit more believable, and the characters get fleshed out a little bit more. I mean, absolutely, yeah. And I okay. I don't want to necessarily jump on a, a particular category that happens later on about cutting things. Um, mm-hmm. But but yeah, I I think it's, okay. it's and. Because I think we've all kind of at least somewhat agreed that the the length of the movie isn't the issue. So you can no, you really don't even not. have to lose the overall length if you if you chop off some of this excess and focus in on more of what would seem to be the more compelling storylines. Like I said, you you could have and 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 because I. It's so funny that Crash and Brokeback were at odds of this year, and then like about a decade later, Moonlight would do something that tackled both race and homosexuality, which I think is right. really, really interesting. Um, but like, it, it if you had just focused on more a few of the storylines, it it would have or or it's like or you, or you have to make the movie longer to make everything else work. And I don't think that's the right answer. So I think, right. I think yeah. scrapping some of it, yeah. So, I mean, while we're here, let's jump on the category. You know, there's no reason, there's, you know, there's no reason to, to delay it if we've got plenty to cover. What would you cut from this movie? I, mean, I, I pretty much already said in the original episode that I'd cut the Sandra Bullock stuff. I, I can leave in some Brendan Fraser stuff just to, <laughs> just to, yeah. to, to as, a, as um, some penance for some of my, uh, my <laughs> Brendan Fraser bashing. Well, the but, Brendan yeah, Fraser I, I would cut you... the, the, the Sandra Bullock stuff. Yeah, I, I think I would too. The Brendan Fraser stuff works because he's the DA and that kind of, that kind of escalates Don, Don Cheadle's character and Don Cheadle's uh, story. So I, I think he's, he's necessary. Um, yeah, the, I would have been okay with just the first scene with Sandra Bullock. Where she, where she gets pissed about Michael Pena changing the locks. I don't need her giving her housekeeper shit about the the, the dishwasher. Mm-hmm. I don't need her falling as much as I loved it. I don't need her falling, <laughs> and you know all that stuff. Like I just don't think that's necessary. I think she kind of served her purpose in the in her first two scenes with getting carjacked and the aftermath of that. Anything to do with the. When we ultimately find out that there are um, what I'm guessing are illegal immigrants in the back of the van, um, ev- mm. everything that has to do with that, it and what that does is it cuts out, um, it cuts out the the actual chunk where we discover it, but it also cuts out them running over the guy and taking the van in. 
there and like there's a lot and and it, it's that it's those chunk that chunk of dialogue a lot of that with with um Ludacris and Lorenz Tate that's a lot of it's it's a lot of pontificating and that that only works so much there's a moment of Ludacris's pontification that I really really like um and it's everybody nobody has to agree with this but his his theory on why the bus windows are so big really mm. hit home I thought and whether or not you believe it or not is is up to you but the way his passion behind it and then and like as somebody as a as a struggling actor living in Seattle when I was and having to bus from audition to audition there's a I, I you know I was in a in a very real way the odd race out on the bus and and there's a there's at least in major cities a truth to what Ludacris was sort of hinting at at that moment um but there's so much of it there's so much of it throughout the movie that it's like the idea of like if you, if as a character, you're shouting the whole time, nothing's going to get through because it's all up here. But if you're a right. calm, it's, it's, we were actually talking about with, with Michael Pena, right? His, his trying to be cool with the shop or they was like, I changed the lock. You got to change the fucking door. It's like that, that pops out because he's kept his cool for mm. so long. But when, when everything says, everything that Ludacris says sounds like something out of a fortune cookie or like a book. It's like it, none of it, none of it matters because it all has to matter. And I don't know, there's just so much related to the, the Ludacris, Lorenz Tate and the, the, the car full of people that, and there's no real payoff with it. It tries to make him yeah. a nicer person at the end, but like <laughs> yeah. letting them out in the middle of LA does not really make you a hero. <laughs> yeah, giving giving them $40 for chop suey or whatever oh, he said. Yeah, but yeah, how do we know he's a changed man if he doesn't traffic those people? That's yeah. <laughs> that's kind of the um that's kind of the the point, you know. Oh man. Uh, the, that that scene with the bus has that great line too. And you just say you like hockey to piss me off. Uh, <laughs> I love hockey. I, just I love that. hockey. Yeah. <laughs> Some fun casting things that, that I heard too was the the, the Terrence Howard uh, role was supposed to be Forrest Whitaker. Oh wow! Yeah, I mean, he had a conflict and and couldn't do it there. That's interesting. So, yeah, I think that, and, and, I think I think that conflict was probably the last King of Scotland. Um, <laughs> good choice. Yeah, just, just saying. <laughs> and then if if I could uh, talk about Marvel for one second, Kieran Terrence Howard was in the first Iron Man movie. And he was such a problem on set that he got fired, and they replaced him with John Cheadle. There we go. Yeah, they crashed into each other on set at the Marvel. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, well, Taron Howard crashed when they threw him out of the studio. <laughs> <laughs> the Sandra Bullock that falling down the stairs. Listen, it, it's <laughs> it it this we this demands attention because I'm 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 watching this movie again. And I've I've seen it. I mean, I've probably seen this movie almost about a dozen times now because I feel like I'm the like you liked Crash. I'm like, well, yeah. And then I have to watch it to defend it and whatever. So I've seen it more times than I, I can actually. That's that's amazing. First of all, so, so I've, <laughs> we all have that movie. We all have that movie. Definitely. So I've seen it. I've bunch. seen How Green Is My Valley like 27 times at this point. <laughs> <laughs> and there's some overlap. There's some editing here, but we basically go from the car accident to the scene with William Fickner and Don Cheadle to um, the blanks and and the little girl um, and then the carjacking. And this is like, I don't know, like 20 or so minutes of what I feel like is really compelling filmmaking. Um, we're going from scenes that are primarily action to scenes of dialogue to scenes that are primarily action to scenes. Of, and it's, it's, a good, it's a good mix of stuff. And then we just, I mean, the... 
the choice to just have to, not just that you had to have her fall, but like to just show a phone drop and then her at the bottom. It just, it's, I, I was so emotionally caught up in the movie and then I just, I burst out laughing. I mean, yeah, I it's a laugh out loud moment. It's, it's a yeah. laugh out loud moment. It, it's <laughs> one of the most, it was one of the most confounding choices in a movie. <laughs> I've, I've like I've I've ever seen and like it, it'd be one thing if the rest of the movie sucked and that was in <laughs> sense but like it it's so glaring it's so glaring it it's it's bad it's it, it's awful yeah it, it 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 feels like almost like a a true like a, a low budget true crime reenactment or something like that with like the slow mo of the foot slipping it just like it just doesn't the it just doesn't fit. The, yeah, and I know we don't do the full nitpick zone in these things, but the the injury choice is so confounding too. A sprained ankle, a sprained ankle. Like it's like how, it, we can't at least break a bone. You know, they can't. Can, can they can't give. Me, give like, they can't give her a concussion. Like they, any any kind of impact injury. There, a sprained ankle is is like. I don't know. I, it's it's oh, well, a very people, strange you know, choice. Some some people say that sprain's worse than a break when it comes to ankles. So. <laughs> What, how many people sprain an ankle after they fall down the stairs? I, I don't know, man. It's just such an odd choice yeah. of an injury on top of a really ridiculous scene. But well, that's the thing. You go, you go from the the most emotional scene in that was the, the Michael Pena scene, and then like two seconds later, it's it's Sandy taking a dive. Yeah, um, I got to say one thing that I, I have fun with in doing some of these revisited episodes is when we shout out because at this point we've only covered three movies. We yeah. shout out other Best Picture winners and ones that at this point we've covered and ones that we haven't. Because when we've covered a movie, you know, some movies kind of just are what they are and, you know, we move on. You know, Cavalcade doesn't have a, a huge sure. personality within BPC. But there's others that have kind of become running jokes or running points of them. Something, something like Platoon is like a hot button issue. Yeah. Something like Gentleman's Agreement, something we've had a lot of fun with <laughs> yeah. laughing yes. at. Yes. But um, so movies that we've mentioned that we hadn't. Uh, we still have not covered the Gandhi, Million Dollar Baby, and Cim- Adam's favorite Best Picture winner, Cimarron. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> people are like, oh my God, he likes Crash and Cimarron. No, uh, Cimarron is, ooh, is your least ooh, favorite, I believe, I- right? <laughs> <laughs> I do not endorse that. That is not true. <laughs> Cimarron um, is, is bad, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that's going to be quite, uh, quite the hoot when we get there. The two we mentioned that we have covered our green book we had a nice little green book combo which was super interesting to listen to i i i was getting the fact. i was getting nervous when we started talking about green book on the episode like hearing it back i'm like yeah, oh uh-oh. i hope i hope it wasn't so, i hope it wasn't too nice to it and, <laughs> and i it, and i feel like i was pretty pretty reasonable no nah, i it. think it, it ended up being pretty safe it's like yeah we like it but it doesn't deserve to win an oscar yeah, yeah. and driving miss daisy got a quick shout out to nothing to really say to me i think you just uh well i i, I need that's my that's my my second favorite Oscar movie yeah. as a joke. <laughs> Whereas, like, it was Green Book, then Driving Miss Daisy, then Crash. Like those are my three favorite Oscar movies. Yeah, it had a real quick uh, Brendan Fraser ranking in there, real fast too. Uh, Airheads, Mummy, and uh, and Cino Man. Cino Man, right? Yeah. <laughs> Who would have thought that Brendan Fraser would have such a, a life within Best Picture cast? And uh, one other kind of funny line I thought that was in there too is, uh, I said, I don't know when we'll talk about Chuck Norris again. There was one 
opportunity for us too, and that's when Dodgeball had that that wild run in the oh, sports yeah. tournament. Oh yeah, all the way to the, the final. Had that cameo in it. Had that win. Yeah. Uh, had that one two more rounds. We would have been talking some Chuck Norris again. But <laughs> yeah, so maybe for the, next time. It's for the best. <laughs> so no Chuck Norris jokes from Adam today. Adam, did you come up with a, any crash trivia questions for me and Grant here? You got one for me, one for Grant. Okay, I I do. Um, okay. And then I'm I'm so glad I reread the thing because I was actually thinking of not in the movie questions. So I I oh boy okay I audible <laughs> I audible all right. Um, who, so who's going first, me or Grant? Here. Uh, let's see. Um, we're gonna go. Uh, who who was who was more offended by the Sandra Bullock scene between the two of you? Probably Kieran. Uh, yeah, I think it's me. Think okay, it's me. so this right. then this question I'm yet is, to get one of these right. So we'll, this question we'll see. is I'm, going, I'm trying to break over for <laughs> this, this question's for Kieran. Sandra Bullock is talking on the phone and takes a stumble down the stairs. What is the name of the friend she is talking to? Okay, I think I'm going to finally break the streak here. Is it aptly named Karen? It is not Karen. Damn it. It it is Carol. Carol's Close. was Carol's the bitch. No, Karen's the bitch. Karen's the bitch. Karen was one getting the massage. That uh, couldn't go visit her. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. All right. Oh, man. That is close. That is close. Carol right. and Karen are, are very close. And, Still and, on the schneid. And, and I did I did rewind and watch the subtitles to make sure, because I couldn't tell if it was Carol or Karen. So Well played. It, it was Carol. Well okay. played. All right. So I guess I, in order to break the streak, I got to hope to answer a Zeta Shakespeare in love question. <laughs> so I've chalked me off for 0-5. Yeah, so you'll be 0-5. Yeah. All right. Better luck with Rebecca. Yes. What is the name of the company that Michael Pena works for? Oh God! Uh, I'll, I'll just take I'll just take a stab. It's not right. It's uh, Locks or Us. <laughs> it, it's not. Uh, he ba- works... bagels, bagels and locks. <laughs> that's, that's <a> good one. <laughs> he works for uh, Los Angeles Reliable Locksmith. Okay. Wow. That is, that is the name. Well done. I wouldn't have had that like either. That. Yeah, well done. So Chris is the only one to get one of these right, but he got a cookie question there in the Rayman. Mm, I'm not, I'm okay. not happy about. But um, <laughs> Adam, I'll throw it out to you. What what type of car is uh, what type of car are they driving that get that gets carjacked there? Both uh, both B. Frage and Terrence Howard. It is a black black Lincoln Navigator. Okay, he's on yeah, his game. A, he's on his game. That was okay. a softball. These aren't nitpicks, but I, I have th- I have three questions I want to ask you. They're they're not addressed in the movie, but I'm I, I'm curious to know your opinions on these. And one of these was really really obvious to me in this watch, and I don't think I'd ever thought of it before. So I'm going to save that one for the end. Um, mm-hmm. So my first question is: Given what Matt Dillon goes through, do we think do we think that he begins to change his ways? Or do we? Does he fall back into his his sort of deep rooted racist police cop tactics? Now, is this what we think, or is this what we think Paul Haggis? No, this is, is what, intending. Like, well, both, I guess. But like, what, like, yeah. Well, I'll, I'll answer it as my interpretation of of the art. I'll put it. I'll put it that way. You can uh, answer um, whatever you want. I I I think this was a come to Jesus moment for him. The 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 the, the crash. Um, not only the crash, but also knowing that it's his attitude and his his racism that affected his father's life directly. Listen, I always want to believe that somebody can change for the better, and I'm choosing to believe that. I think he absolutely approaches his job differently. 
Um, I think this is a watershed moment in his life. I think his racism and bigotry continues. I don't. I don't think his. I don't think his outlook on race has changed whatsoever. I still think he's he's bitter towards affirmative action and race and all that stuff. All that stuff is so deep rooted within his father. I watched the DVD commentary with with uh, uh, Paul Haggis and Cheadle's on there too, uh, and he's the Matt Dillon character is based on a real encounter that uh, I guess Haggis was working on some sort of like uh, family court drama TV whatever mm-hmm. it was you know, yeah, one of those fam- people's court law. type of things. Family law, okay, yeah, and there was someone on on it that went on this rant about how his father did all this work for the community, da da da, da and this is what they left in this, and he was fascinated at how someone who's done so much for race relations, his son could be so racist, like yeah. how it could go opposite, you right. know, and and that was what the basis of of the character was, and I think a lot yeah. of people's first scripts that. You'll get that a lot of life experiences with it. Yeah, you have to draw from something, and then you write letters of Iwo Jima. You know. (laughs) Uh, Okay. Well, what what else did you have there? Okay, this is a this is a much more kind of yes or no question. Does uh, Don Cheadle's character ever find who killed his brother? Yeah, I think it does happen. To me, it's a it's um, reading between the lines. It's an absolute no. I don't think he finds him. Okay. Okay. Just Um, the way that that the way that it's shot. About him, kind of on the ground, in a moment of of kind of weakness and almost not a fetal position, but pretty damn close. In the I will find him. It was one of those. Mm, no, you won't. That's that's the that's what I took out of the the scene. And my my last question, and and this was uh, this like hit me in the face today. Was Brendan Fraser fucking his assistant? Totally. Uh, yeah, hundred percent. That was the most sexual tension in the movie was between those two and oh, oh yeah, yeah they were they were totally involved. Yeah, yeah, uh, and I'm I am I took it as just pure sexual tension and and maybe not, but you know I, I think it's there. It's definitely there on the screen. And I guess that that's another one. If I, did you listen to the commentary to Adam? Uh, I did not know. Okay, well the, he he says that that's the most commonly asked question of the of the film <laughs> and he said we'll answer at the end of he's like i don't want to answer it now i'll answer it at the end and at the end there's like ah i'm not gonna answer it so uh he left it open there but i i think that i think that there's definitely a lot there to lead into it i think i think they fucking <laughs> adam what, uh, what was your three answers there what did you oh um uh i i uh in terms of the matt Dillon question um i think i'm more aligned with grant um i definitely don't think don Cheadle finds the killer um and uh, those two are absolutely having sex. I mean, I just it, they are <laughs> absolutely. And Brendan Fraser gets off the phone with his wife moping about the fucking her foot, and he his thought is like, God damn, I gotta go home to that. All right, um, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Oh man. Uh, and uh, does Philippi leave the force? Uh, I, so so in my mind, no, and because because he's got to hide in plain sight. So um, he he stays on. That's my that's my guess. Great. I, I think he I think he does quit. I do too. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, I convinced myself that there was a scene where he did. <laughs> I think that's maybe just was me <laughs> hypothesizing in the episode. I think I think that's how you wanted it to like end. Yeah. Was it was him like throwing away the badge, or I said that or something like that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, all right. Like let's... like like point break where he throws the badge in the in the in the water. And they're, at they're the end. Harry. Yeah. Harry there you go. The BPC awards. Let's redo them. So now what I'm gonna I'm gonna say what we had. 
mm-hmm. and then we'll have the opportunity to change, and then Adam, you'll give uh, you'll give yours. So, Grant, your MVP was Matt Dillon. Yes, mine was Terrence Howard. Uh, Grant, are you going to change your MVP? or Are you going to lock it in? I will lock it in. Locked in. Um, boy, I have been going back and forth on this like all day. Uh, because I, I do think Matt Dillon is the right answer. But I really just so appreciate what Terrence Howard does in, in this movie. So to keep it even and to keep consistent with what he did, I will, I will lock in Terrence Howard. Okay. Which, but fully agreeing that Matt Dillon is an absolutely awesome answer. And I I, I do, Adam, I, you'll you'll probably be best equipped to hear this. I think he deserved that Oscar. I don't know who I don't know who he was. Lost in Clooney for Syriana. When do you? I mean, uh, that that's a that's a weird that's a weird group of nominees for supporting actor that year. So it's it's Giamatti for Cinderella Man. Yeah, it's yeah, uh, uh, William Hurt for History of Violence, which is an amazing (laughs) nomination, but not one that should should or was ever going to win. And then the last one, Adam. What am I? What am I missing? Oh, uh, of Gyllenhaal for uh, Brokeback. Who's your winner there? I, well, it's de- it's 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 not Gyllenhaal. I mean, here's the thing. I am I personally think that Cinderella Man is a beautiful film, and I think Paul mm. Giamatti is great in it. Um, if it's between me, I would. It's between Giamatti and and uh, and Matt Dillon. Um, Same for me. And George Clooney is fine in Syriana, but clearly not the movie he should have won for. But here's the annoying thing, and I'm I'm I defend the Oscars enough where I can attack them here. This is the annoying thing where he did so much work with Good Night and Good Luck, and he's up for screenplay, and he's up for director, that they give him the participation award for the supporting actor role. It's like, all right, you know, we're not going to give you any of those, so here's this. And, well, the other actors got to be like, well, what the fuck? Like, what, do I got to direct a fucking McCarthyism movie to win for Cinderella Man? Like, like, (laughs) um, I don't know. So that just annoys me a little bit. But, yeah. Um, Adam, your MVP. Uh, so my MVP uh, is Michael Pena. Okay, great. I love I, how that that evens out the. We needed that third yeah. person to even things out there. I, and I think that your both of your picks are, are are totally fine picks. And that in a in a movie like this, I mean, there there are obviously there are wrong picks for sure. But like there, you really there are you could somebody could say Thandie Newton. I'd be like, yeah, yeah, I get that. Um, on on a on a particular day, somebody could say Ryan Phillippe or, or Ludacris, and I'd be like, okay, like there there are, it's enough of an ensemble film that they're it's 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 almost like a personal favorite, and and that's and that's definitely Michael Pena for me. Cool, love it, absolutely love it. Uh, okay, so LVP, uh, I had for LVP uh, Sandra Bullock and Brendan Fraser sharing the LVP award. Grant, you had <laughs> Paul Haggis. <laughs> Mm-hmm. As your LVP. Yep. Um, I, uh, I'll i go first on this one, I guess. So I'm not going to officially lock it in. I'm going to free uh, Brendan Fraser as contrition for the legacy that he's had with Best Picture Cast since this episode was released. He is uh, resolved of his LVP contention here. And Sandy Bullock will take full control of LVP. Okay. So Sandra Bullock's character takes LVP in this one for me. Grant, are you locking in Haggy Boo? I am locking in Haggis both professionally and personally. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Paul Haggis grants LVP. There yes. Um, Adam, your LVP. My LVP is uh, the city of Los Angeles. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. 
I love it. I mean, talk about like most movies in LA make me want to visit it, and I this makes me never want to go. Never want to Ugh. go. God, and and just also just enough in general. Can we just be done with filming movies in LA? Like I, I get it. It's Hollywood. It's where we film everything. Tell me a story somewhere else, anywhere else. Yeah, Tallahassee, Florida, uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota, Bangor, Maine, Bangor, Maine. <laughs> Bangor. Sorry, I Maine. learned to say. It. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's not Bangor. Anywhere Bangor. else. Now, participation where we didn't have it. It was not time. a thing back then. Yes. So uh, we get to put a fresh one in. So Adam, we'll, I guess we'll let you go first here, since it's all fresh for all three of us. Yeah. So I, you know, for this one, I really wanted to go with a smaller role. Um, and in fact, I went with somebody who only has one scene in the movie. Um, and I, I'm, I'm a fan of this actor. Uh, and I think it's a really, it's, it's, it's a nice kind of turning point scene in the movie. And I'm giving my participation award to Keith David. Amazing. Love it. I'm, Amazing. Ne- I'm never going to argue with Keith David getting an award. <laughs> I love them. I love them. This is like, this is totally an example of someone knowing exactly who he is and what he can do. Yeah. Him being given a little spot and just fucking crushing it, yeah. like it, it just it he couldn't have been more perfect for that scene. He he went above and beyond. Yeah. He's he's like the tr- the the transaction at the, at the trade deadline that you're yeah. bringing in as like a third line skater, and he just comes in and he just he just wins you that game three <laughs> rubber match, and you win the Stanley Cup because the, of it. the way he delivers uncontrollable flatulence. It's just like <laughs> it's just like it's so. He does it with such like a smile. It's great. Yeah, no, perfect. I did a hockey one instead of baseball there. I, I see same that. Same theme with the movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Uh, participation grant. I went with Michael Pena only because I feel like he was just kind of the runner up for L- for MVP for me. Um, and I I would have I would be remiss if I didn't uh, acknowledge his performance. Mine is also an actor who just had one scene, and I had this one picked right after the viewing. I'm like, this is this is where I'm going with this. And then I, I I watched the commentary, and all of them said that this is their their favorite scene of the movie, what they feel is the most important scene of the movie. And the evil within the movie centers around this character specifically, and that's Tony Danza's character oh. in in that scene. And um, there's they showed a cool trick of how they kind of filmed him as when he starts speaking, it goes the lighting goes dark. So I still oh, film him as the devil within yeah. the center of the movie. Um, and it it is a very kind of cool concept. Now, when I picked him in a participation, I was not thinking about any of this. But like right. that scene, there is a tone to that scene that is so dark. And we did mention it in yeah. the original episode. And, and so depressing. And how they show uh, Terrence Howard then go to talk to the kid and they cut away, which is a great choice. You don't you don't see it because it's great it, choice. It's so awkward that they don't want to they don't oh, want you to see it. It's so yeah. sad and it's not even said depressing. It's yeah. depressing. Um, and God, Tony Danz is just it's such an interesting choice in that spot, and yeah. I really genuinely think he crushes it. Uh, participation, we're going Tony Danz on that. Adam, what do, what do you think about that? Yeah, no, he was he was in that same kind of group of people I was I was thinking of for it. Um, and the the lights going out, it's it's not even like it's a stylistic choice to make it obvious. Like they're on set, they are closing, they're taking they're taking the lights down because they're about to go to break. They think they're about to go to break, so it mm. absolutely makes sense for that to feel more ominous and and yeah. menacing because they're behind the set and oh, we're gonna we're changing we're changing scenes, we're changing lenses or whatever. And nope. Yeah. Not, no, you're not. You're gonna fucking shoot that scene again. But uh, yeah, it's it's one of those things where I, I 
I, I see this a lot where it's like, it's, it's racism kind of disguised as a practical, like a, like, like I, I've seen this before. It's like, it's, it's racism, but it's, it's disguised as a practical uh, question or a practical complaint about something where it's like, well, no, it's not about the race, but it's like his character is against his character. It's like, well, no, yeah, but at the root of it, it is racist. And it's, even, and it's, it's, it's even worse because it's, it's repression. It's yeah. literally holding He's, back. The character's not allowed to grow. Because, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Scene of the movie. I, I went with the first Michael Pena scene with his daughter uh, when she's under the bed and he gives her no, the cloak. That's a great one. It's so like my my daughter's around her age now, um, my oldest daughter, and it's it's just so sweet. The the dynamic they have. Yeah, I just I can just eat that up. Yeah, it was beautiful. I'll take the end of that storyline and I'll take the the cloak scene um oh, cool. right outside. I mean uh you call it call it emotionally gripping or emotionally manipulative whatever you want to say. <laughs> it fucking it it works every It There's, does. It worked yeah. for me when I was 18 and was like I'm never going to have kids and it works even it works even harder now despite the fact that I know it's coming. It's still yeah. It's still yeah. a gut punch. Yeah, believe it or not, this time around, I got choked up on two separate scenes. That's one of them, Adam. And the other one is my scene in the movie. And I Sandra think, Bullock falling down the stairs. Uh, <laughs> no, that, was, that, got a, <laughs> that got burst out loud laughter yet again for me. And it will next time, too. Uh, no, it was the scene that we dubbed in, in uh, episode four of BBC as, let's talk Matt Dillon flaming car scene. Uh, I, oh. I really think this scene is shot at an elite level. Yes. I mean, it is... This is yeah. this is a fucking well shot scene. The tension is incredible. It's perfectly awkward and uncomfortable, and not just like physically, but emotionally. And you know when she sees him and recognizes it is, and she freaks the fuck out. And he's got to like while gasoline is pouring down, he's got to like realize what a fucking piece of shit he is, and then also try to navigate his way to. Doing the first responder thing and getting her, her out of there. Yeah. This is the scene of the movie for me. And and it's it's set up so well. You know, of course she's not driving the navigator. That's clearly Terrence Howard's car. When we see her before, she's wearing the red dress, but she has a sweater over it. So when we see her, it's not on. Her her voice sounding different because she's hanging upside down. Like like everything about the scene leads us to believe that it's not her until the the reveal. And again, right. you could easily go, Oh, that's a cheap thing, but it's not cheap if it's set up well. And it's set up well. So mm-hmm. I, I, this was, and that was my runner up. That was absolutely cool. my runner up. Yeah. And, and I think this is the scene everyone thinks about when they think of crash. Yeah. When, yeah. when this everyone, the yeah. other scene between well, those uh, two. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Well, I'm looking at the cover of the DVD, like the, the picture of them embracing after the, the, uh, the rescue is mm-hmm. on the cover of the yeah. DVD. Like that is the picture you see. Uh, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's a solid, solid answer. Yeah, she went, uh, Thady Newton. Um, Dandy. Dandy Newton uh, went un- understated in our episode. Uh, she does a fantastic Yeah, episode. she's very good she's, in this. Yeah, she's yeah. great. And uh, in in the very beginning of the episode, I, I just was listening today, and it's funny that, like, I, I don't know if this is because we're very early on, and I'm not just in the podcast, but in literally that episode that maybe I just didn't want to go into too much. But I say, um, you know, I think I had seen scenes and just didn't really like it. Whether No, I absolutely saw one scene. And it turned me off to the movie, and it was the the pullover scene. Like I it's had, a hard I was scene. in my car. Remember specifically, I was in my college dorm. Like, what are you watching? Like, oh, it's crash. The movie, one best picture. And 
I walked into that scene starting, and I'm like, ugh, I don't like this, and walked away. It's That's a, why I avoided the it's movie. A, it's a really, um, it's a really tough scene. Yeah, and it's just yeah. as tough today. Time machine recast. Take anyone, anytime, anywhere. Put him in this movie. I'm instantly mad I didn't find a way to get Jimmy Stewart in this, but oh, um. <laughs> oh my God, no, no, no did I you? did, I yes, did, yes, Adam, yes. What do you got? Because, because, I think, and my justification for this is is when um, uh, Henry Fonda, the the much beloved Henry Fonda, uh, when he played the villain Once Upon a Time in the West, everybody was like, mm. ah, what this guy and then it worked so i want to see jimmy stewart play matt dylan's role oh that's <laughs> that absolutely my answer i can't believe you went with that's great that's amazing. that's amazing oh uh, that's collision theory right uh out of my... <laughs> well, <laughs> a little synergy there yeah, uh, shaniqua johnson that's that's a big surprise yeah <laughs> we talked about when we talked about sandra bullock is that like the probably the reason why this movie got made was because of her star power. So I'm recasting her with the far left, with the far the far less big star. Okay. So this movie doesn't get made, and it is uh, um, uh, it's Elizabeth Berkley from Saved by the Bell. <laughs> Showgirls fame. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, I I do have I do have a real one. I just I kind of did that one oh, as, as, okay. as, a, as a joke. It's the gun shop owner, and uh, I replaced him with Bill Burr. Oh. I just, I just would like to see Bill Burr in that role. I feel like you would taking the the uh, the race end of it out of there. Oh, the gun shop owner. Yeah. No, the, sorry. Not no, not not yeah. the grocery store. <laughs> so you're gonna have uh, <laughs> yeah. Bill Burr and Brown. Yeah, Bill Burr playing playing a Persian. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah that's great. Um, Hugh, uh, friggin' uh, our friend uh, Hugh. Uh, Hugh Griffin. Hugh Griffin. <laughs> 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 Fix the lock. But I. But I I love I love Jack McGee. I I really like him as an actor. I and I loved Rescue Me as a show. That that show yes. is over the top. But I love I love Jack McGee. Ah, oh, that hurts. That hurts. I was just gonna say re- Rescue <laughs> Me love right there in the middle there. Damn. Um, Bill Burr works too though. Breaking Bad. That's a Breaking Bad instead of Rescue Me there. I actually think the acting in Adam you said is the acting in this movie is really pretty strong across the board. I, it I, is. I, this yeah. time around, like even the Sandra Bullock character. Uh, I don't like how it's written. I don't like how it's presented, but there's nothing wrong with her acting in it. There no. is one actress who's just not good at all. Jennifer Esposito, uh, I think, is is pretty terrible. I hate that scene with her and Cheadle on the phone and, and that. So she's going to come out for me. Uh, I'm going to use the time machine a little bit. Let's throw Rita Moreno in that, uh, in well, that's that spot interesting. there. Get to see Rita Moreno as a as a police officer, as a detective. Um, yeah, yeah, and and maybe a little better chops than Jennifer Esposito. But um, so there we go. I like that one. Um, yeah, it's good. Okay, I, I uh, like I like it when when you go when we go back back and bring him. Bring yeah, him to I, I, I got to do that more often. Yeah. Adam, did you bring a recommend to the table here for someone who just watched Crash? Uh, I I did, and uh, I'm I'm gonna keep it. I am gonna keep it LA. I am gonna keep it uh, sweeping and uh, all things meet. And uh, if you if you listened to my top ten episode, you know I love this movie. And I'm gonna say you follow us up with Magnolia, um, mm. which is Paul Thomas Anderson's uh, third film, sweeping film about the interconnectedness of people. Um, also, I think all takes place in in a 24 hour period. Um, 
all about the chance encounters of life. This one is way more uh, stylistic and way more interpretive. Um, and I think, uh, again, I think I think the performances across the board are great. Um, it's a it's a long movie. It's it's over three hours, but. My God, I think it's brilliant filmmaking. Um, and I think there's not a, I don't think there's a weak link acting wise across the board in that one. Uh, I mean, that's a great movie. Um, it's controversially my favorite Paul Thomas Anderson movie. Uh, ah. I have it above of, above Boogie Nights and above There Will Be Blood, which I know Grant is probably one of your favorites. Was it on your t- top 10 list? There Will Be Blood was on my top 10. Yeah. But I'm a huge Magnolia fan, and we were kind of teasing the the that that time period. It was the trope to have the interconnected uh, storylines from basically from Pulp Fiction on through the mid 2000s there. And you know, Adam, I I, I do like how you kind of brought it home a little bit and talk about how you uh, what you like out of it, where it doesn't get so tropey and where the, it can tell a nice story. And I think Magnolia is a perfect example of how you can tell that kind of story without it being gimmicky. And um, yeah, I love I love that choice. In this episode, there was kind of like a loose category there at the end that never really came to fruition, but it was uh, impact and legacy. Um, hmm. Now, uh, obviously the impact and legacy of, of Crash is pretty much at this point just tied to the Oscars and broke back and whatnot. Um, but I want to ask Adam this, because I was thinking about this today. How do you think that the content in this, this is a loaded question, but how do you think the content in this movie has aged to this point? Um, so I think when it comes to the the idea of of race and diversity, equity, and inclusion, I think there's been a lot done in in certain areas and certain fields to to be more cognizant of things like this um and as as an actor but as also also as a professor like i diversity equity inclusion is all over the place it's it's and it's from both people who actually mean it and stand behind it to also the higher ups who i think throw it around as a buzzword because it sounds important i I think in the in the episode in the original episode you guys talked about the lapd kind of not looking so great and I don't. I mean, it doesn't even have to be about the LAPD, but like, it, I, I I don't know how to say this. This is a loaded question. I'll say it this way: It seems like there isn't a a police department in the country that exists anymore that doesn't have those body cams, and yet the choices being made by again specific particular police officers is catastrophic. So I do think that the the police side of this. Um, is unfortunately still relevant. Now, in terms of whether or not people still are outwardly racist and say these things, that's that's tough. But I will say that it it does go both ways. And I do think that, you know, this maybe this movie takes aim a little bit at conservatives, but it goes the other way too. Um I, I have had some 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 I, I will be very not specific, um, but I've had some conversations with students where I've been on their side and I have had certain buzz phrases thrown at me as if I was the enemy and I'm, and I'm, and I'm not, um, I've had things, this one stands out more than anything. I've had the phrase intent does not mean impact thrown at me as I'm, as I'm, as I'm actively on their side. And so I think people are at the ready to say and defend and get mad at you for anything. And it doesn't matter what side you're on, because if it's not what they believe, yeah. Done. Yeah, the the uh the open opportunity to have a discussion that window is is much much smaller 
uh, these days. Unfortunately, it's it's you know there's just a lot of people just don't want to debate about it anymore. It's just kind of what you feel is what you feel, and that's that. Even if you you agree, well, and it's <laughs> you know? and it's it's just so easy to it, it's we we love labels, we love yep. labels. Um, even when they're when they're harmful, we love labels, and um, it's so easy to just chalk yourself up as oh I'm this I'm that and. Uh, anything that falls underneath that that label, that's me. Even if it's not really, you know, which is why I I try not to like I I label myself with broad things or things that are very like I'm you know I'm a I'm a husband, a father, and uh, uh, an actor and a movie lover. That's and I mm. and beyond that, I go I'm gonna stop because I think if I go past that, I'm gonna say something that pisses somebody off unintentionally, <laughs> right. uh, totally unintentionally. So it's like, I will yeah. stop at those things. And one other thing I do like about this movie too, which is something you see a little less nowadays with what comes out is it does also show the first responder nature of that profession too. And the capability and the power of what that person can do and the risks they take uh, in, in their everyday lives as well. And it covers the broader scope through one character you know, which could be complicated, Grant, as you think you brought up in the episode, is like, are you absolving him of his actions? Or the, but if you take a step back and just look at him as all of the things that are called upon, whether vice or virtue, within someone of that position, um, that is something that I am happy that this movie put in there just to show, uh, you know, how, how this this position that this person is really called upon to save lives at times, too. Yeah, I, I think that there are elements of this movie that, that still are in the in the forefront of of what people are going through socially racially i think i just said this before in the 18 years parts of it just hasn't haven't really gotten any better will they ever we don't know it's just kind of <laughs> just kind yeah. of what you know what it is it is it was super fascinating for me to reflect on how the movie has evolved between 2020 and 2023 versus 2005 and 2020. That in itself was a little fascinating. But Oscar reevaluation, so it was was up for six, was up for picture, director, screenplay, supporting actor, film editing, and... And song. An original song by the incomparable Bird York, of course. Adam, who we pointed out is in the movie. She uh, plays one of the police officers in the movie. Yes. And that's, yeah. Were you a, uh, were you a, uh, a West Wing person? Oh, I yes, I was. She was a character on West Wing too. Oh, it was a semi reoccurring character too. I did. I did not know that. Yes, she didn't break out into song at any moment. If it could only win one, along with Best Picture, uh, it did win. It won three. It won screenplay and uh, editing. Mm-hmm. Um, if it could only win one along with it, what would it be? And uh, if it won them all except for one, what would it be? Adam, we'll have a guess go first. If it were only to win one along with picture, what would it be? I, we kind of mentioned this earlier, and I, I think, and I think, I think uh, some of those nominations are, are are fairly deserving. But I think if it's going to win one with best picture, I, I'd like to see Matt Dillon win for supporting actor. Cool. Yeah. Same. Yeah, uh, I agree. I kind of hate taking it away from the one that it did win because this is, to me, this is kind of what a film editing win should be. Like, it's this movie's super tight. It's doing a lot of work. It's putting a, a, a 30-day project together in a cohesive way. And I really do like the the editing win for it. But um, I, I just looking at the category and everything, I'd like Matt Dillon to have an Oscar for this. So Yeah. Um, so we're all on the same page there. Now, uh, which one are you punting? If it won uh, five and not the sixth, what's the sixth? I mean, 
it's really again it just i'm not even sure why best song is even an oscar anymore to be perfectly oh God, here honest. we go we, we always butt heads on this one so uh <laughs> and 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 i mean i i think when i look at the other ones there's enough of the directing and the editing and the screenplay that i like and, and the song is just kind of there i mean i'm okay i'm okay with song going um Especially because there's a really great edit. There's when Matt Dillon is leaving the scene with Shaniqua Johnson, and he puts his hand on the door. It cuts immediately into the locksmith yep. and somebody coming in. Just it, the edit, and it's great. Yeah, and it, it's. It, I mean, the editing is so tight that maybe things are left out because, and we talked about that too. But um, but song. I, th- I think for me, it's it's easy. I think you just get get rid of song. Adam is not uh, in the deep with with uh, best song there. Uh, Grant, how no, about you? I'm going to go with screenplay. It, it is it is. There's some parts that are really great, but I also think that there's a lot of things in this movie that are ham fisted, and it, I I just don't I just can't get behind it. So you you so Haggis gets a he gets a statue either way. You can't keep a statue <sighs> out of his hands because he's getting one for screenplay if you give him director. So that's the so. It does make sense that you have to pick one of those uh, two. <laughs> Foiled um. again. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I'll, I'll go. I'll go because it, it's such a tight movie. Yeah. I, I feel like he he does he, he deserves that director uh, win. Uh, just the, the screenplay. I just not everything is just so dialed up. It's it's a cartoonish portrayal. I hate to uh, throw you a bone here, Adam, uh, because this is I I do like the original song category and one of your complaints normally is is that the song that wins is often not even in the movie or maybe it's just in the closing credits or it's not appropriately used and i think this song is actually used within the movie it's a nice little montage montage at the end um i love a good montage and uh yeah so uh but uh, it's between this and director for me because i think this does in, in many ways feels like a movie that could win best picture and not get director but uh, ah, fuck it. I'm taking it away from Haggy Poo. Director, okay. I'm saying director. Give give bird a give bird a statue. <laughs> one bird, two statues. Uh, <laughs> one statue, two whatever. Real quick, Adam, just some lost chatter because I, I finally have someone to talk oh. lost with. What? Well, yes. All right, I'll so see you guys Jin later. Is appropriately, uh, apparently in this movie, I was trying having a hard time finding him this time. He is credited. I, I watched him in the credits. His name is in there. Uh, he's plays the guy, I guess that's, he, he gives, um, he gives the older man the keys at the beginning, at the very beginning. Yes. Okay. That explains why I missed it there. I was waiting for him to kind of show up again around the check scene. Uh, he must've had some extra stuff cut. I would think at, at some point maybe, but, um, general lost thoughts. Oh man. Well, I got to tell you, this will be dated when this comes out, but I hated hearing, I don't know if you saw the Twitter thread about how like terribly racist people were on the set of that show. Uh, oh no! There's um, Harold Harold Perrineau who played um, uh, uh, what, what was Walt's dad's name? I can't think of it. Um, uh, Michael. Michael. Um, yeah. He was interviewed and was talking about how um, many of the cast members who were uh, people of color were given worse storylines or treated unfairly, uh, which is awful. I'm going to put that over there, though, because that, that like, yeah, let's say some positive trying to, yeah. Um I <laughs> I was so reluctant to Lost at first. Um, and I, I on general principles, like, this show is going to be stupid. I'm not going to watch it. And uh, season two was about to start. And 
Melissa and our roommate really liked it, and and he had the first season, and season two was about to start. He's like, Adam, we want you to watch this because we all want to watch Lost together when it starts back up. And I got horribly sick with the flu, and so it was like a Saturday morning, and Melissa's going to work at like eight in the morning, and we watch we watch the first, we watch the pilot. She's like, mm. what do you think of it? I'm like, uh, it's it's pretty good. And she came home eight hours later, and all I had done was watch Lost. Uh, <laughs> yes. It was just just totally into it. Um, I, I mean, don't get me wrong. It it, it the sixth season is kind of a mess, uh, but mm. it's a beautiful mess, and I love how we get there. Yes, and well said. um, you get to spend the time with the people that you want to spend time with, and um, and oh my God, not Penny's boat. I mean, what a mm. what a fucking oh. heartbreaking moment. That is, I I dig loss and and Melissa and I are actually actively debating because uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go away for a long time and we come back we're like we're either gonna rewatch Sopranos or we're gonna rewatch Lost and we haven't we haven't settled it Ooh. yet. Okay, let me ask you this: have have you rewatched either? Um, I I have rewatched both. Melissa. Okay, so this will be a third. This will be a third. Yes. For you. Okay. Yeah. All right. So I've so I've done Sopranos twice. I've done Lost three times. Um, so uh, and Melissa's done both once. She's no. She's seen Lost twice. She has only seen the Sopranos okay. once. All right. So that would kind of the easy answer, I guess, would probably be maybe to do that. But I mean, Lost the third time. If you have any trepidation about that, it is a thousand percent worth it. Oh, I, I mean, don't, it's, I don't it's, have it's, any trepidation yeah. at all. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I'll say this about Lost because Lost gets a lot of shit. And it does get a little meandering at times. But you, what you need to remember is, is that for all the praise that Breaking Bad, The Wire, and Sopranos get, all well-deserved, three of the greatest shows ever, none of them had to deal with network bullshit. None of them had to do 24 episodes a season and had to deal with censors, deal with commercials, deal with all that bull. I think Lost handled the network television format better than any show ever. And I just think it's a wonderful, uh, a wonderful entity totally check it out if you haven't if you've only seen it once and you have your criticisms give it a give it that rewatch and and get into that because i i think it's just like you said just wonderful characters it's a good food for thought show and um a nice little uh, sociology and humanity uh piece that that i love so one to five we start with performances we do how we shot how it looks and then the story how it's told one to five grant um performances for you uh, actually, I, I'll give this a four. I, th- I think from top to bottom, there's really good performances in it. Uh, nothing that would, nothing that's like, oh my god, that's a mate, like that's an amazing performance. But I, I just think from everyone that that comes in, even the even the the one offs, like the one sceners, every everyone does a really good job. Yeah, Adam. Yeah, I, I'm giving it a four as well, um, and and pretty much exactly what what Grant said. Um, and like like people like uh, like Don Don Cheadle and and Brendan Fraser and Ryan Philippi, like they're not bad. They're they're absolutely serviceable. Uh, a few people get to kind of rise to the top and shine, um, but overall, this is a really solid cast doing really solid work. Yeah, it's going to be a three for me just because it's a little limited in what anyone's really allowed to do. It's you know we. <laughs> few times you said the appetizers and all appetizers no main course Mm. uh and you know matt dillon to me is probably the best straight performance in the movie and the supporting actors really wasn't gonna get even Cheadle. i think even if he's nominated i guess he's the lead but 
when there's no real lead and everyone's just really kind of solid, I'm I'm gonna just I'm gonna go down the middle with a three. So, okay. Um, how it was shot, how it looks, I think it's perfectly competent three. I think they make some creative choices. Uh, I don't think it's uh you know. I don't think it's shot in any kind of blasé way. I do think that they've, you know, we talk about the, the flaming car scene. You know, there were, there was some creative tactics here in this one. So um, I, I give it a very solid down the line three for me. Great. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that one. Um, I think the, the scene of the, the, the car rescue stands out. You know, other than that, it was, it was good. It was, you know, I, I think I think right down the middle is what you what you, how you put it. I think that's perfectly said, Adam. So I mean, I, we live in a world where no half stars exist, um, which is a bummer. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if I have to teeter totter between a, a three and a four, I, I'm and I, I'm making this this uh, this this draw. I'm making this line here and not in the next one. Uh, so I'm gonna I'm giving this a four. Um, okay, and I I think that it it's 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 very slick, and it's it's not just the direction, but also how it's put together. And I think the editing is great, and some of those some of those storytelling choices that help pay off later, I think, really do land, um, and they they work really well for me. Grant, story how it's told. I think right now I'd probably give it a two. I'm the one that took away Paul Haggis' screenwriting nomination, <laughs> uh, so I don't think it should surprise anybody. Uh, yeah, I, uh, for the reasons I explained taking away that nomination, it relies heavily on unfathomable odds of people running into each other. The dialed-up nature of this racism kind of acts as a detriment to what the movie is trying to accomplish, in my opinion. It's less than mediocre. I'm, I'm going to give it a three. I think... Like 2005, Adam probably would have given this a four or a five. Um, and now that I've, I've lived some life, um, it, 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 it's the parts I like, I like, but the parts that aren't good really do bring it down. And uh, it, 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 it needed, it needed another set of eyes to, uh, to really kind of help yeah. put everything together. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to get, there's still a story in there I like. So I'm going to mm. give it a three. Yeah. Yeah. Very fair. Uh, I'm going to align with Grant on this one. Uh, a lot of tropes and cliches. There's a lot of blanketed statements and some, you know, when we open the movie in a cringy way and we close the movie in a cringy way, ah, uh, that's not a good, <laughs> that's not a good starting starting yeah. point for me. Um, but I, yeah. I do, I do, Adam, I do get what you're saying is there's some things in here I like. There's some characters that are written um, well amongst some characters that are written poorly. Um, I think a two is perfectly I, fair. Perfectly fair. I, I think Haggis is trying to kind of come up with a snappy Sorkin-esque dialogue in, in some of these scenes and like the the, the way they, they play up these act these characters play off each other and it just doesn't doesn't really work. Yeah. Well he casted someone from the uh the West Wing. So there yeah. you go. He had Sorkin on his mind. Karen Snorkin. Uh <laughs> Okay, uh, and then the, the one to ninety two. So we mentioned that Adam, you had this at twenty out of the first forty five. We did. Um, I had it forty one, and Grant, you had it at thirty nine. Our composite was thirty nine. Uh, I'll, you know, so if we just, you know, not that this is perfect science, but if we, you know, double the, double the midway rankings, then I would essentially have mine at eighty two, and I guess yours would be at seventy eight. Grant, 
Okay. And then Adam's yours would be around 40, which would be like around the midway. It's not a perfect science because I actually think that the back-heavy movies we, we have left are pretty strong. Uh, I think there's a world where I can move this one up. Um, I, I had a good experience with this time. I, I definitely enjoyed this much better than I did when we first covered this. But um, I said on the episode somewhere in the 70s, and I probably think that that's about right. You know, maybe early 70s, if I'm being a little nice. Um, and my composite kind of uh, projected composite ways out similar to that. But um, Grant, what do you think? Yeah, you said 78 was my projected uh, 90, 94 or whatever it was, 93. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, let's, let's, let's keep it there. I feel like that's, I feel like that's pretty close to where I would have had it. Cool. Um, Adam, what do you think in the grand scope of things? Because you do have some personal uh, favorite attachment to this one. Oh, I well, I, I do, and it's some some of it's been bestowed upon me. Um, but I think, <laughs> I, I think this is actually like a just on the other end of the back half. I think this is probably like a fifty, fifty to fifty five. Um, and and the other thing too is that in another world, I'll get, I'll be able to give some of these best picture winners I've seen a, a second viewing because some of these I've only seen once. Um, right. So movies that maybe made a decent impression on me, but I had, you know, in that, when we did the 45s, I had somewhere between like 30 and 35 might rise in esteem on a good second watch. Those, those mm. themes, the, the, the ways that we rank it, the acting, the storytelling and the, and the themes, um, maybe that raises it in its, in its esteem. Um, so yeah, I would say about 50 on the other end of the, of the half. I love a good, uh, someone speaking out for the justice for crash or like, you know, one of the movies that gets bullied a lot or picked on a lot that you have, uh, you have it. And, and listen, if you're going home and rewatching it every time someone's yelling at you about it, then it's definitely, I got some kind of attachment with, with you there. So last little stop of the way here. And I love doing this with Adam because you've usually seen a good portion of them unless, you know, we're talking, Ben-Hur in 1957, there were some real, real funky, real, some real funky Best Picture nominees that year. I have seen all five now at this point. Movies that I've seen since, that we mentioned on the pod, I've seen since. I've seen Letters uh, to Irojima, I've seen Flags of Our Fathers, I've seen Sully, I've seen American Sniper, Richard Jewell, McGruber, and Munich. Uh, also, Good Night and Good Luck. I've saw all those movies that we mentioned that I hadn't yeah. seen the time I've seen. And uh, well, at some point, we'll have to return to McGruber, Grant. I, mean, I would I would love to do a full-length episode on McGruber. I think we may have to. Holy uh, okay. shit. Um, so let's start with... And Adam, you've seen all five? Yes, I have. Yes, okay. And Grant, you've seen uh, mm, uh, Just uh, Crash and Brokeback? Well, let us... Oh, no, let us... Choose, you no, so it's... Uh, yeah. um, well, let's it's go through... Capote... Uh, good no, night, I, good luck. And, yeah, uh, I don't think I Munich. No. Uh, Munich. Uh, Munich. I saw a while ago. All right. So let's start with uh, let's start with Munich because I think that's what we started with the last time too. Uh, Grant, you have seen it. You have, have you seen it since the no. since the pod? No, okay. no. So it's been a, it's been a yeah. while. Sorry. Uh, I I watched this one recently. Oh boy. Uh, it's dark. It, it is dark. It's slow. It's uh, I did. I don't know. I did not enjoy this one at all. Uh, I really didn't. It was to me. It was a painful slog. Uh, okay. I just couldn't. I just couldn't with it. And um, this was like to me was like a perfunctory nominee. Spielberg has a movie out. Let's nominate him. Uh, I know um, Adam uh, Ian loved this one. Um, that's why I had it on my recommend list. Uh, I think he even listed it as a masterpiece at one point. And um, I, I also, you know, Mike, European history is real 
is really not good, you know. So I think maybe there's certain things that don't necessarily speak to me in that regard. But yeah, Munich was a bit of a dud for me. Uh, Adam, uh, what, what do you think? Uh, so Ian and I did a, a Spielberg's films in the 2000s ranking, and so Munich was a rewatch when we when we covered that, and. Um, I, I hadn't seen it since I saw it when I was in high school, and I actually I I really dug Munich. I was in it. I I was with this crew. I liked what was going on. But uh, the and I don't I, I I'm not even saying this in a funny tone. The 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 cross cutting between Eric Bana having the sweatiest sex with his wife in the history <laughs> of filming the sex scenes, cross cutting between these um these Israeli Olympians being executed is one of the worst decisions in cutting I've, I've ever seen. I, I, I think it's, it's, it's truly, it's truly atrocious. I, I don't understand why it was done. And it like, I, I, and I probably shouldn't think this way, but like the, a lot of like, if you fuck up your ending, it, it really, it, it ruins the movie. And I, I was really damn near close to thinking that movie was a masterpiece as well. And, um, the ending, I mean, it's not, I don't think it's a bad movie. I think it's a pretty good movie that has a seriously flawed ending to it. We'll have to give it a rewatch and I'll come back to you guys about and you're it. And you're a Spielberg guy. I do like Spielberg, true, true. yeah. Uh, I will say none of my complaints about Munich revolve around Eric Bana. I'm a, I'm a, a, a definite Eric Bana defender. Well, that's, Justice that, that's, for that's, Eric that's, Bana. That's, that's, the Troy, that's the Troy fan. Eric Bana should have had the comeback that Brendan Fraser had. <laughs> what, what is going on? Let's put him in a fat suit, goddammit. Next, let's do, because this is, I watched this today, and this is Good Night and Good Luck. This is the Clooney-directed, starring our, our, our PPC favorite, David Strathern. Um, I think an everybody favorite, David Strathern. It's not not any David Strathern haters out there. Good good cast. Uh, good Night and Good Luck. Grant, have you, have you uh, dabbled with this? One? I have not. 90 minutes. Uh, Adam, why don't you go first? So this, I, I haven't seen this since I saw it, um, and I'm pretty sure I could give a pretty uh, a pretty good recollection of what it is. It it feels so much like a documentary that I would just say go watch a documentary about Edward R. Murrow, um, and nobody's bad in it. Like I, nobody's bad in it, but it 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 just feels. It feels unnecessary. A, a lot of times in 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 the theater world, if you pick. You, you'll get hassled by people. You pick a show to direct and people go, okay, well, why this show? Why now? And people want to know that, that you're making a movie for a reason. I don't know why they, re- I mean, I, yes, we were in, we were in the Iraq war. We could talk about journalism and stuff, but it, it just felt, I don't know. It, it didn't feel of the moment. Um, it felt very Munich and uh, good night. Good luck felt very prestige, very Oscar Beatty kind of movies. Yeah, Adam, I'm so happy I had you go first because I don't think I could have said any of that better, and it really reflects all of my thoughts. Um, I will say, I'll throw out there, the journalism movies are really not for me to begin with, so I do kind of tend to punt on that, and you know, for me to sit here and complain about a journalism movie, so well, all right, you know you don't like them, why are you watching them? So that's fair. Uh, but this is a 90-minute movie with at least a quarter of it is just straight up actual documentary footage. So yeah, like why didn't you just make a documentary at that point? And is this, this has got to be one of the worst original screenplay nominations of all time. How, what is original about this at all? And I know Adam, you're a big critic of this stuff. How is this nominated for original screenplay? 
I, I, because if it's not directly pulling from a source material, it, it, it's one of those like if if it's enough public, it's the same thing with um. Well, I, a different year, but like Straight Outta Compton, I believe got an adapted screenplay. No, it got an original screenplay nomination. When it's like this, you're just telling you're telling the story of NWA. Like, but if it's if it's if enough people are involved and it's not based on like an autobiography or an article or whatever, I don't, I don't know. I don't, the rules are a bit finicky. I, trust yeah, me, I and, hate them. I, and it's, but it's also like, it's like, all right, I get maybe it qualifies technically, but why are you choosing this for the nominee? Like you're, it's literally so much of it is actual footage. Like it's not even, it's not even originally filmed. It's just footage of McCarthy talking. How is that an original screen? I, that it was just so insane to me that that yeah. got nominated for original screenplays. It's like almost like they just wanted to put Clooney up for it. But um, I don't. I love David Strathairn, but it, this movie was just a huge, huge miss for me. Huge miss. Thank God it was only ninety minutes. It felt like it was three hours too. By the way, next uh, is uh, we'll get a little more positive at least on my end. Uh, Capote. Capote, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this because this was the best actor winner. Uh, Grant, have you seen Capote since we've uh, nope. filmed it? And you've seen it to this to this day? No, nope. no, you've not. Okay, so uh, still no on that. Sorry. Um, I, I kind of said my piece on it. Uh, I still love it. Yeah, and, very I, high on. We it. all you love are. Philip Seaver Hoffman too. Who doesn't? Mm-hmm. Uh, Adam, your thoughts on Capote? And I know you don't love the people portraying real people too. But, yeah. yeah, and it and it did. Uh, and this is the one I was hoping to to fit in the rewatch for. Uh, in the and I, I wasn't able to, but. From what I can remember, the, it very Bennett Miller is a really interesting filmmaker who hasn't made a, a lot of movies, um, but I like what he makes. The way they approach the story is great. It did. I, I'm not gonna lie. I, I, I do think that uh, that a Philip Seymour Hoffman's portrayal of Truman Capote is that line between character and caricature, and that's that's mm-hmm. just me. And I think because Truman Capote had such an interesting way of speaking and presenting himself that it. It's hard to not see it that way. Yes, Truman Capote was a real person and, and really was like this, but it, it it's it's real. It's a it's a fucking hard tightrope, and and I I usually fall on the side of like not not for me. Yeah, but the movie itself is yeah is is the movie itself. I remember I I liked I didn't love. Yeah, I just where I well the defense to that is is yeah I get the character thing. It's that's definitely there. But I love the confrontation of becoming so engrossed with. The material that you're covering, the the line between fact and fiction, uh, the the human interest story, dancing between good and evil, and almost falling in love with, and and that's kind of what it takes to write a great piece of nonfiction or fiction. You know, as a writer, is you really have to kind of fall in love with what you're writing about. But to the degree where you've convinced yourself that a that a a, a killer, a, a vicious vicious killer is an innocent man (laughs) is just like, it's a fascinating story to me. So I I really love, uh, I love the movie. I love the film. And Bennett Miller is, 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 you put that well, he's an intriguing film. He doesn't make the greatest movies of all time, but all of his movies are worth discussing. Uh, And he, he, he does, he doesn't have a miss in that regard, but um, whether it's Moneyball or Foxcatcher, which is a fucking bizarre movie, but uh, it's, it's after watching it, I, I, I'm like, why did I watch that? But I need to find someone else who watched it so I can talk to them about it. <laughs> Brokeback Mountain will end with, I gave my thoughts uh, at the time. I, don't, I haven't, not a whole lot's changed. Maybe I'm a little more forgiving of Michelle Williams' performance this time around than it was. I, I don't think I put that on air, my uh, criticisms of it. I thought you you did after um, Chris recommended it to Artie. 
Oh, okay. I might have put it on there. Yeah, I think okay. you did. Yeah, a different part. That makes some sense. Grant, do you have general thoughts on Brokeback? Have you? I, no, sorry, no. I haven't yes. seen. Okay, uh, Adam. <laughs> um, I. It's funny. I think, but you, but Grant, you have seen it, right? No. Oh. Oh, okay. I, I thought we did it. To, Artie got it as a Secret Santa from uh, from, from Chris. Chris. No, but I, so I, I thought I remember that Makira, Maybe it was you. Because um, on the on the your, on your original Crash episode, one of you and, and Kieran. I'm guessing it was you. It's gonna yeah. It's gonna be yes, off. Kieran. Yeah. Um, mentioned the idea of these guys going along with these marriages that they they essentially knew were doomed to to not succeed, given their what their true feelings were. And what they had to hide, and when I when I watched it when I was in high school, I definitely, I I definitely was on that same page of like these guys are, like they're despicable for doing this, and I and of course I'm still very young and I'm still trying to find my way through how I think and feel about things, and I, um, I definitely didn't like the movie when I was eighteen, um, and I think I probably watched it maybe two or three times since. And the more that I watch it, the more and the more that I, I've just gotten to know just know people. And the thing about the theater world, as cliche as this is, is I've met a lot of people in the LGBTQ plus community. And there it, like this sense of of having to hide, of having to feel like you have to portion off your life before you can really tell people how you feel. It makes the movie it, it the movie is tremendously sad. Um and I mean that, and I mean that in a positive way. I mean, it's just, it is such a heartbreaking film. And the last time I watched it, um, Heath Ledger fucking wrecked me. I mean, he, I think he's so good in the movie. Um, and, and, and really just one of the best actors we had going there. It's such a shame. Mm. Um, it's, is it, is it, is it still, is it still complicated for me to try to figure out? Yes. But I also think that that is maybe one of the points is that three straight white guys like us will never actually understand some of the choices being made because it's not choices that we've had to make. And that, and that kind of question fascinates me. Yeah. And you know, I think much like we are talking about some of the procedures of police officers, like I, 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 confess to saying that I'm not supposed to understand any of that, you know, and, and who's to, and, and I'll absolutely, you know, admit to that with, with that movie and a bunch of others. And, you know, there's some times you watch a movie and, you know, you're looking to be entertained and you're looking to, to fall in love with the characters. And when you don't, you know, you're kind of like, ugh, you know what, well, why kind of don't feel great? And why did I watch that? You know? And, yeah. and, and sometimes you, you were able to, take a step back and view the art of it. And others, you're just like, I feel bad for Michelle Williams and, and Anne Hathaway's characters. Like, I feel like they got really fucking fucked over. Um, and Adam, you said it really well there with all that, is is that, you know, it's a matter of perspective and, and all that. And I, I think it was, I heard someone talking recently, I think it was Tarantino. And he said, uh, you know, uh, you know, I get a lot of shit for people saying that I write unlikable characters. And he goes... Who's to say that you're supposed to like my characters? I don't give a shit if you like my characters or not. They're my characters, you know. So, yeah, um, we shouldn't have to like the decisions of all the characters or understand the decisions of all the characters, or just because they've put some other character within the universe in a very bad spot, and there's no one putting anyone in a, a great spot, you know, that the movie's not saying something or speaking to something. So I get that. No, I mean, you can and, you can write 
despicable characters, but have it done in a compelling way. Like Daniel Plainview is a terrible person, but I am riveted to watch him on on screen. Yeah, and, and I'm not saying that Jake Gyllenhaal or um, or Heath Ledger's characters are despicable characters. No, I'm not saying I, at no, all. But, I, 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 yeah. but I'm saying when you're viewing the movie through the perspective of the wives, which is, I think is what I was doing the last time I saw it, I had a hard time with that. So, you know, I think maybe the next time I view it, I have to try to step outside of the shoes of that a little bit because I think it's a movie that is worth rewatching um, and a beautifully shot movie and all that too. I still kind of lean to think it's a, it's a shade overrated, but I, you know, this probably is the chalk winner this year. It's very weak here. It's very, very weak here, hmm. in, yeah. in my opinion. I know you you dig Million Dollar Baby, but I actually, I think 04, 05, 06 are actually extremely weak years. Um, 07 really kicks it off again. 07's great, but... I'm yeah, not, but I mean, are you, are you, is 04, are you saying a week in nominees because Internal Sunshine wasn't up, or... It's, it's not even about Eternal Sunshine. Like, I, I think, I think... Million Dollar Baby, probably the clear winner. I think the Aviator. Aviator is a slog. A- Aviator is not a great film. Find I'm a little uh, w- w- Aviator is the BPC guys are very high on Aviator. I'm kind of with you on that, Adam. I think Aviator Aviator's a bit overrated too. Uh, and I I think Finding Neverland is an atrocious nomination. I haven't Ray, seen it. I haven't Ray seen it. Is that was just, nominated. Yeah, yeah that was yeah. that should have that should have been Eternal Sunshine spot. Mm-hmm. I mean, to me, and Million Dollar Baby makes sense. Sideways is the only one I'm I'm behind as a nominee after that. And, and but like, oh, but oh, Adam, I gotta stop you there though. Like Million Dollar Baby, Sideways, Eternal Sunshine. That's a that's a strong one, two, three right there. If Eternal Sunshine was nominated True. for Best Picture, right? But it's 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 not. It's not. Yeah, it's not. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> uh, all right, guys, this was a blast. Um, as it always is, Adam, as it always is. And um, looking forward to doing uh, another one of these with you again, whether it's on our side of the tracks or yours. Or um, And I'm looking forward to seeing you this summer. You're going to be out here in, in New York. Too, we, so. we sure are. We sure are. We, ten, ten years married, so we're going to go to New York. That's Hell yes, that's right. Love it. And, you know, you're getting pretty close to saying that you got to be here every year now at this time. You know, this is three in a row. <laughs> yeah, yeah, what the, what the fuck? But, you know, it's great. Uh, I, I, like, I get these, uh, this, I get money through the university for professional development. And, like, it, it's, it, you can certainly kind of use it in certain ways. So, like, I need to go see a show in New York because I need to know if it's something that we could do here. So it's like I can, I have, I have ways. I have ways. That's in which great. I, I love this. Love it. And love I'm, it. I'm gonna make my ways to, to finding my way up to uh, the Upper Peninsula of Michigan at some point too. <laughs> we, that's so. a, that's a must. Yes, that's we'll, a we'll, must. We will do a yeah. BPC field trip at some point. But Adam, thank you so much again as always. Uh, if you wanna uh, just throw it again, it's one thousand and one by one. Uh, yep, a thousand and one by one, and below freezing. You can disclaimer find to listeners: you're gonna have to probably hear Joey R a little bit too. That's uh, his. Just just a little bit, yeah. He, <laughs> he's he's involved now. He is involved. Yes, yeah. he's in the in the. Uh, he's crossed over to the one thousand and one by one family too. So, uh, Grant, please plug all the artwork that we got going on at. at, at BBC oh, right boy. Now, quite a bit. We have quite a bit. Um, yeah, I, I was for the for the best picture cast merch, I was really resting on my laurels for a while. But uh, I'm starting to just upload as much shit as I possibly can. Uh everything from Best Picture winners of Lawrence of Arabia to um West Side Story, and then everything from bonus episodes we've done, like twins. 
The Shining, Princess Bride. It's gonna be it's gonna be one worst picture cast one for uh, Miami Connection. If you know that movie, it's a fucking great. You should go see it. Samurai Cop, I think. Right? I don't know if I'm gonna release the Samurai Cop one. It's it's that's that's an obscure one. <laughs> Uh, oh, the Miami Connection one's not no, no, all, no. But okay. Like if you, if, but like if you, if you've seen Miami Connection, you know exactly what the image is. <laughs> Summer Cup's a little bit more different. Uh, so yeah, and, and uh, the WWF Attitude Era inspired uh, Best Picture Cast shirts up there. So yeah, I just um, the link is in the link is in the bio. So uh, link is oh, it's in our it's yeah, it's in our Instagram bio, and it's on the uh, episode description. Yes. So yes. go shopping. It's good. Very cool. And uh, I just want to shout out our, our very own Chris G, who is, I think, amongst the five of us, the highest on Crash. Uh, I think he had it ranked yeah. the highest. So him and Adam had it had it uh, ranked the highest in our little rating there. But he, he has his art is starting to blow up a little bit. Pop Vulture Arts. We'll have his link in there, too. Yeah. He does great movie-related and music-related stuff. Yeah. Uh, he's he's really been growing his, uh, his, his store and stuff. He just had an art show this past weekend. So we want to give support out to him too. So. Oh uh, yeah, you can also find some of my other stuff at Exit Twenty Eight Studios, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, yeah, that's pop culture stuff. It'll all be in the uh, the episode description, please. And yeah, thanks uh, so much for listening, Adam. Thanks for joining us. Of course, guys. Let's uh, crash into each other another time. Let's do it. Yeah. The, Maybe the, only the crash return in, to the return to crash. Maybe we only <laughs> crash into each other so we can feel things. Just feel a little crash in L.A. with the metal. <laughs> we never see each other outside of cars. We'll see you next week for God, whatever is going to probably win our our poll. We'll see what it is then. We don't even know. Oh it's yeah, be. It'll be a, a, a random, a random mystery uh, or or Patton. I don't know when Patton's coming up. I, I keep just saying Patton at the end of these things, and sooner or later there'll be a Patton. You'll episode. be right eventually. Yes, yeah. yes, that's right. So it's either a random ass best picture winner or Patton, which is a random it's ass Gandhi best or picture pa- Gandhi or Patton. <laughs> it's ain't gonna be fucking Gandhi. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next week. Bye.